0: everybody. The Base Brotherhood is back. We are here on a Saturday afternoon in Miami with Cody Elijah. Thank you for joining us, brother. Really no, appreciate thanks it. Thanks
1: for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we've, we're just going to keep the conversation going. We were talking a little bit about the dynamics of Twitter and, you know, how I got on, how you got on, and you're somebody that has, you know, I, I say, you know, you've been shooting up the leaderboard and just adding followers like crazy and, um, in a pretty short period of time. So, you know, we can just start off and tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got introduced to Twitter and and, uh, you know, built your following to where it is. That would be a good place to kick it off. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, um, it when when COVID started kind of happening, um, I was just I was still kind of doing the uh, other social media platforms or, you know, Reddit, um, getting on conspiracy you know, forums, stuff like that. But what I found <laughs> yeah. was that it was basically everybody was just posting other people's tweets. You know, because Twitter's basically the de facto news wire. So at some point, um, I think it, I think it was actually the week uh, of like the riots, the the George Floyd riots, where it was all happening so fast that mm-hmm. I just abandoned every other social media platform. Which I, I I think I was still basically just using Reddit at that point. Um, and so I made it a non-account and just kind of used it to keep track of, uh, anything I saw interesting, I would like retweet it. You know, I was never really saying anything, um, of any substance. I would occasionally talk trash to Hillary Clinton or somebody like that, but but that, you know, I got a few followers doing that, just, you know, kind of being a jerk or whatever. But then I would use some medical stuff, masks, you know, information, things like that. and. Got some followers, but it, it was really, it was really nothing. Um, and then about a year into it, I was unemployed for so long. I was like, Oh, I'm going to start writing again. And you can't, <laughs> you can't do that anonymously. I mean, not in right. a meaningful way. You have to right. put your, your name and right. your face on there. So I did that. I think it was probably right at the end of 2020 or 2021 where I made the account that I have now. And, um, wow. Okay. So not long ago, a little over a year, and and it just, I still didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I was still just sort of lurking or maybe, you know, saying random things here and there. But I wasn't, you know, quite the presence that I am now. And I, I don't really even know what was the specific thing that did it. I mean, the one tweet that got me all, that started getting me followers was the, my last night in the emergency room in October in Washington state and, and really since then, I mean, in the last, what's that four or five months, really, that's really really where it all happened. I went from a couple hundred followers to over 20,000 or whatever it is now. Yeah. I
0: think you're over 22. So this was like back in October of just a few months ago, 2021. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. And I think, um,
1: it was one of those things where it was just you know not that having twitter followers really means anything it just extends your reach but i happen to be in that first wave of people kind of getting fired from vaccine mandates mm-hmm. and because of the role that i that i have as a physician assistant i i took a selfie and and tweeted it and the right time some of the right people saw it and retweeted it and it just it's just one of that's how that's how things go viral it's you know there's no formula every time it's different.
0: Well, I mean, and also it's like an authentic moment that you had. I mean, it's something and I think that really is, is what is what resonates with people is, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, trying to wordsmith the perfect tweet, or, you know, you have a certain thought and you spend all this time and it just, you know, some people like it that like you, but it's the things that go viral are it's you, you know, having this kind of raw moment and you're just kind of like to hell with it. Fuck it. I'm going to send this. Yeah. and it just registers with people.
1: Yeah, I think the second viral tweet I had was shortly after that and it was like I was literally like walking my dog and I it was when the whole myocarditis thing was was sort of starting to kind of buzz. Yeah. And I it was just some random thought where I was I don't even remember what it said exactly. The gist of it was basically you know, I've, I've never seen a a case of like viral myocarditis or anything like that ever before. (laughs) And this is ridiculous and what, whatever it said. But I mean, that went viral immediately. I mean, within five minutes, you can just watch the retweet button start to kind of go like this. And, And when that happens, I mean, I don't remember what that one got to, but I've learned to just, if that happens, just don't even don't respond to anybody. Don't say anything, just mm-hmm. let it go and just keep, right. <laughs> move on with your life. Cause it's, you're, it's the, you know, you're not going to stop that train once it starts rolling, unless you delete it. But
0: yeah. And it's interesting how long these things can go on for, I think you were talking earlier about how, you know, days, even a week afterward, you're still seeing retweets and likes. Yeah. And you know, we had a similar experience. My wife posted something on TikTok, and it was actually in Southern California you know, with the beverage product and a really simple little TikTok thing is couldn't have lasted more than like, you know, 10 seconds. And, you know, this is back December of 19 and it just starts rolling. And it's amazing how these things kind of build. And it's, it's really unique whenever you go viral, you know, um, and you know, and you've done it a couple of times, but you know, we talk about your, that your Twitter account growth and it's something where, you know, I became aware of you as just a guy that was speaking his truth, the unvarnished truth, someone that's like a like a smart guy, but a regular guy, somebody that's down to earth, but is unafraid to put his, his face and his name to his account, which, I mean, you, know, you were talking earlier about how many anon accounts are out there and they serve their purpose. I think like anon accounts can talk about things that, you know, maybe most people couldn't, um, you know, and they can, they can really go to places that, you know, they get banned and they're anonymous, whatever, but they don't, you know, ruin their personal life necessarily, but there are limitations too. Um, in terms of how that carries into the real world. So you're somebody that, you know, you put your, you know, you put yourself out there and that's, that's a bold thing to do. Yeah. I, it helps because nobody, nobody I know is on Twitter.
1: <laughs> nobody <laughs> I know in real life. Yeah. So, so do you have
0: to explain it to them? Like the people in your day? They
1: Don't nobody even asks. Yeah. Uh, what's funny though, in about the real, you know, me being real or whatever, um, is that the first viral tweet. One of my best friend actually called me and said, my brother-in-law has a friend in Michigan or someplace that said, Hey, look at this. And then, so my friend's brother-in-law was like, I know that guy. Yeah. It's, it's, so so was it, it like, it's a small world. People are real. Right. And it was, that was just kind of funny, but yeah, I did. Once you make that decision, if you're using it for something like writing or whatever, you're, you know, a podcast, or if you're an, whatever you are, an actor or whatever, I mean, you really don't have a choice. You're either going to just say mundane, blasé stuff, or you're going to be yourself. And anybody who knows me already knows the stuff I think anyway. So it's like, I'm not keeping any secrets. And now I can't work in my profession really anyway. So yeah,
0: well, let's, let's talk about that. Because a lot of, you know, what has happened on your, you know, Twitter account and its growth there's also been your professional, uh, your professional life and how that's been impacted over the last couple of years. And so if we let, let's talk a little bit about that and, you know, a little bit, maybe get a little bit of background on you in terms of, you know, your professional background yeah. and, uh, you know, how you're your physician's assistant and how you got into that. And then kind of talk about the last couple of years in a COVID reality and how that's impacted your life.
1: Yeah. the kind of the short version is I, I went to undergrad and kind of medicine for most people is a calling, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a choice. People just know they're going to do it. And that was, that was me. Mm -hmm. And at some point I just like most people that are a PA or nurse practitioner or whatever, they don't, you know, I think I just had the sense, the sense that I don't really want to spend that many years in school. I mean, PA Mm -hmm. school is, you know, two and a half, almost three years after undergrad, but I just made the choice to do that instead. So, so I went, um, and Coming out of school, I realized pretty quick that it wasn't going to be what I thought. Um, medicine's a really hard kind of job to have, mm-hmm. especially. I got out of school and I wanted to do like general surgery or trauma surgery, but mm-hmm. there was it was the financial collapse in oh seven oh eight and the hospital and I was working in Reno, Nevada. They they weren't going to hire. The, going to hire anybody for that role. So I wound up in the ER at a, at another hospital in town and in an urgent care network. And it was just brutal. I mean, yeah. unlimited you know, volumes of patients, kind of this revolving door. I'm a very goal oriented guy and, and there's no goal, you know, the people just keep coming. So it just wasn't really for me. And when you find that out early on, it, it can be pretty tough for people, but I, you know, persisted in you know, the 13, 14 years or whatever I've been doing it kind of just, you know, war on. And, um, then COVID happened and I was oddly in between jobs. So if you work in a hospital as a doctor, a PA, um, you, you go through a really extensive background check where they, they literally call every job you've ever had, every school you went to, all those it's things. That to go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just to verify that you're not fake or that you didn't get fired and kill someone that you're trying to cover up or whatever, or you got arrested for drugs and you you somehow hit it. So anyway, I was undergoing like that credentialing process when COVID happened and then that group laid off all of their PAs and nurse practitioners. So whenever it was in March or whatever, I didn't get approved until May, but they didn't even need me. So we were living, uh, outside of Seattle at the time. And so that my layoff kind of dragged on and on. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was born in May. My wife is a nurse. Her hours were getting cut because she was in outpatient surgery. So when they're canceling all those surgeries, you hear about her hours got cut. So we basically made the decision, okay, I'm not working. Her hours are cut, got hooked up in, on the east side of Washington where my family
0: lives. So we moved Um this is all like spring of twenty twenty. This is all this is a hell of a time for you, man. Yeah, yeah. So I basically my
1: I wrote a I wrote a substack piece about this. My last day of practice at that point was literally January first, twenty twenty. And on my way out the door I said, twenty (laughs) twenty is gonna be my year, I feel it. (laughs) And so I didn't work at all in twenty twenty, not one day. Yeah. And so yeah, it dragged on and we moved and uh I didn't start working again until July of twenty twenty one. Wow. So, okay. yeah, eventually I, you know, threw my resume at every group, you know, yeah. every company around. And in spite of my experience stuff, they just didn't really need people uh, until Delta variant happened. And that that's how I got that last ER job in Washington was the Delta variant was picking up. Mm-hmm. And um, I think so the original wave, you know, there wasn't people were still hiding, you know, so. Right. Society kind of came back alive. Delta variant was picking up Delta variant was really nasty. So they brought me on really fast, mm-hmm. but literally the first week, uh, of practice at that ER group, um, Jay Inslee, the governor announced he was going to mandate the vaccine. And then my company, the corporate kind of entity, this is June of 2021, This is July, July, July okay. the first week of August. Yeah. Okay. Was when, when the mandate came down. Right. So it was literally one of my first shifts. I already knew I was a goner cause I, I just. I wasn't going to do it. You know, I didn't, it I don't even know that it was medically, you know, something that I wasn't going to do. It was just, I kind of saw the writing on the wall as far as what they were going to attempt with this mass sort of mandate and what it could morph into with like passports and QR codes and stuff. So, so yeah, that, I went two months into that job two and a half months and then had that last day and that tweet. And that's basically my life up to this point. So it's, I've, out of the last two years, I've only worked like five months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what, so that, that's crazy. And you think about just, man, you've had a wild ride. Yeah. You know, really since the whole COVID reality started, um, you know, so you, you were able, you know, the vaccine push is, is happening. And did you have an immediate skepticism of like what this vaccine was all about? How, cause I remember, um, you know, with operation warp speed and Trump, and the push for the vaccine, and you know, normally you're not going to see a vaccine be developed and make it through you know trials this quickly and be approved by the FDA, FDA released to the masses. But just whole idea that it was going to be different, like it was a need to get it done that quickly, and we couldn't live without it. But it was also plausible, feasible to get it done. To me, just didn't sit well, you know, beyond the fact of what you know what they've been trying to do. But for you, like, where were you in like whenever they started talking about a vaccine? Were you immediately thinking no or you like okay let's see what happens with it uh where were you at i was uh i had sort of
1: you know i'd been into conspiracy theories or whatever for years and just sort of like like anybody that is it was just sort of a thing like oh i'd i'd hear about stuff over the years and so it was probably four or five years earlier where i'd sort of heard Mm. you know caught wind of maybe um They, the UN and and some other groups had like the ID 2020 program, which was more of a digital identity for, uh, migrants and stuff. And probably in the Mediterranean, Africa, kind of Middle East areas and Europe and so forth. Um, but at some point I, I must've heard about, you know, the fact that they were going to, they wanted to do some type of digital passport, um, system for people in general, Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that I almost, I kind of knew right away, that's what they were going to do with it. Yeah. And and I saw, I I was really certain about it, I think because of the masks, because if you know masks don't work, well, why are you going to use them? And so I, my, I basically, you know, kind of realized like they're going to use the mask as sort of a proxy, Yeah. you know, to, to, to get people to that point you know, as a reward, they can take it off or whatever. I I don't, I don't know that in the beginning I knew exactly, but I, I knew enough to kind of say, I, I, you know, I think this is where they're going to go with this. I I actually didn't really think about the, the actual medicine of it Mm -hmm. too much in the beginning. But then once I realized like this was an MRNA tech and how they were going to work, my thing with that was why was there never an ethical debate about whether our bodies should even produce a pathogen. It's like a huge, huge mm-hmm. leap. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you, every, most people know what a normal vaccine is. You take a deadened or weakened version of a virus, and put it in you, you react right. to it. Okay. That's sort of, sort of organic, right? But when have we ever taken a brand new product that makes us produce a pathogenic protein and just, it's like, they just kind of glossed over it. You know, there's yeah. that huge debate decades ago about using fetal stem cells. Right. And it was mm-hmm. in the Bush era, Bush Jr. Mm-hmm. But why, why not? That's a pretty big ethical debate that nobody even talked about. They still aren't talking about it. No. And so that, that was another huge point of skepticism for me Is I'm like, it's just not for me. That was basically.
0: <laughs> <to laughs> yeah. And that was kind of similar for me too. I just thought, you know, I think that I'm looking at the data roll in and of course it was limited at the time, but it didn't look like people that fall in my age range, you know, in my health category are going to be dramatically affected by it. So, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys that's like, what's the real point of it? And I think you hit on something too about like, you know, you're a curious person and we use the term conspiracy theory. You know, I've, I've been into this, you know, world for like a couple of decades, really since 9-11. And that kind of drives a lot of, you know, my worldview in terms of, I, I do believe that there are people out there that um, do have ill intentions and that do want to control everything. And they have game plan this out and they have been working on it for decades. And there's a lot of people out there, a lot of normies that they just don't want to um, it's hard for them to conceive and accept the fact that there could be people out there that are that evil and that duplicitous.
1: Yeah. And I, what's funny about that. And you're right. Is that the, the fact that, the fact that 9-11 happened is the elephant in the room because yeah. somebody did it. Okay. Somebody yeah. did it. I, you can yeah. debate all day long who, but the fact that somebody would do that proves that there are people evil enough to do it. Yes. Right. So why would you just accept that it was this scenario in the case of nine eleven that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense? You know, mm-hmm. we don't need to necessarily get into that, but it's like. It, it just it amazes me, like you're saying that, yeah, it happened. There are people that evil. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the funny part about conspiracies is though is they generally don't get solved, and they don't get solved in a in a in a way that a normal crime would ever get solved. No, you know, it just sort of gets glossed over, and you, and you never quite get the, a full answer. When you know, if it was some guy that blew up one of these cruise ships out here. You'd probably get a really distinct <laughs> answer of who did it and what happened. And you'd have yeah. pictures and all that stuff. But yeah, no, they're, that's a good, they never get answered. We're left yeah. wondering forever. Well, it's just like the virus, right? It's like, oh, well, well, and it's from a bat. And then oh, it might be from the lab and no, oh, it's pretty sure it's from the lab. And yeah. there's Remember just the memes s-
0: with the horseshoe bats and soup. Oh yeah. I and know. like the girl, like biting the wing or whatever. And I was like, is this, could this really be it? And of course now you feel, I feel like foolish thinking that that was ever something that might have happened, that there's like this cross-contamination in some kind of a wet market in China close to the lab that's within like a few miles of this lab where they're doing all this kind of testing. And I think, you idiot, did you ever believe that for a second? I mean, I don't really know if I took a definitive stance on it, but now we look back on it, and of course it came from a lab. Of course it was people, you know, messing around. And we've got some helicopters outside today just – Coming for us, man. <laughs> We're here, here over Biscayne <laughs> Bay in Miami. They're, they're. They heard making, us talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're looking for us, but, but, um, but anyway, um, you know, you know, going back to the whole conspiracy theory thing, like, so you've always been kind of oriented toward that, and again, that kind of shapes your worldview. And you look at what's happening with COVID, and you know, with the masks, like the masks don't work, and you knew that right away, right? Like, you're like, this is just completely pointless, you know. Why do you think there are so many people that um, to this very day subscribe to it? Even whenever we've, it's been proven that masks don't really do anything at all, but we still have mask mandates in certain parts of the country. And we see people here in Florida, in freedom country, that are driving in a car with nobody else in the car wearing a mask. We see it every day. What is, what's behind that? Why are people doing this?
1: Well, one thing that, um, you know, being having spent those the, the beginning of it in Washington state, I mean the, the messaging in certain places, or if you watch certain, you know, types of media or whatever, consume, consume different kinds of media, the, the messaging is heavy. So, yeah. I mean, on us on the most simple terms for people that don't know anything about mm-hmm. it, they just assume, Oh yeah, well mass must, you know, kind of work. I mean, even one of my friends came to visit and was wearing one. And, and I basically told him, you know, they don't, even though the N95s are not that great if you study them and, and his, his comment was, well, why did, why did doctors wear them during surgery? And I was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, thanks for throwing me the softball I'll knock this one out of the park. So, (laughs) I mean, when you're in medical training, I, I, I was taught in school with the studies about masks, you know what I mean? We read them and, and I did a lot of surgery and they don't, they don't reduce intraoperative infection rates. It's more to protect us. Um, and there have been a lot of studies about wearing them like in flu season in a hospital. Does it, does it change infection rates? No. Or maybe a little bit if it's like an N95 or something like that, like 3% or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't quote me on those, but most of it's the messaging, but then another side of it too, I think is like, it is pretty bad. I mean, some COVID conspiracy, people are like, it's fake. It's not even real. There's no increased yeah. deaths, whatever. No, it's real. It's real. Yeah. You know, people I've looked at in the eyes are dead now. So it's real, yeah. it's nasty. Yeah. So people want to do everything they can. Right. And so they think, well, even if it's just helping a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll do it and I'll, I'll mask up, you know, for the greater good and whatever it is. I mean, I th- right. I think ultimately that's what drives most normal people. Yeah. You know, as they just, they, they want it to end as much as anybody else.
0: Right. No, but yeah, I think you hit on something there about, um, COVID is real, you know, and I, I remember I have a friend of mine who's like, you know, diehard, diehard Trump guy. I mean, anything Trump says, he's just goes with it. doesn't matter what it is. He's going to go for it. But you remember Trump was kind of, you know, talking about how this is ridiculous in a, in a scam way early on, like back in January, February, like this is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, everything changed in terms of the tone, right? But, you know, my, my you know, process was, well, I, this is something. I'm not sure what it is. It could be really bad. But this is something, right? And, you know, you've seen, you know, and I've seen people, you know, take all different kinds of paths. Like this guy now, you know, he's, you know, uh, he's calling from go- calling it a scandemic. Like he's gotten, you know, he's gotten the shot. Um, and, you know, he thought it was hilarious that Djokovic couldn't go play in the Australian Open because it was great that Australia didn't allow him to because those are their rules. And I'm like, yeah, what is yeah. this process? Or we go from like, this is a scandemic to where, OK, I'm going to get the shot because Trump says that I should, to I'm glad that Djokovic can't go participate, you know, in, uh, you know, in, in the Australian Open because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. You know, so, I mean, it's interesting people's different progressions, but tell us a little bit more about your experience in terms of this is a real thing and your interaction with patients.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, what, when I started that ER job uh, after like a year and a half being off, well, let's back up because it, there's an interesting thing um, that I wrote about on my Substack where I was seeing COVID in the fall of 2019, hands down. There were a couple okay. people I saw that two young girls in particular, and, and maybe a couple of other people, but those two were really notable in my head because one girl basically said, you know, fever, kind of cough, shortness of breath, but the look on her face and was just like in, in the, her exact words were, I just don't feel right. And when I took her x-ray uh, and looked at it, it was COVID. So was sort of patchy kind of spots of pneumonia all over. Whereas mm. in a bacterial pneumonia, you're going to get a segment or a lobe of the lung that's just whited out like a block. Okay. Um, so COVID has what's called bio- you know, ground glass opacities as you could probably call it. That's kind of the term that radiologists use, but I remember looking at it, uh, pretty distinct appearance. Another girl had it too. And the second one came back like two weeks later and still, you know, felt like shit. And she was doing much, much better. Like her vital signs were normal. I think, Mm -hmm. I don't think she had a fever anymore, but still just wasn't right. And I told my wife about it then I was like, I I saw these two girls. There's like really weird pneumonias. it just, and I didn't really think anything of it, you know? So then fast forward to where I'm actually, that was in an urgent care system. Um, and so when I was finally in the ER where you're seeing, you know, much sicker people, Mm -hmm. um, it was sort of like I was like the COVID virgin, you know, cause they all knew I'd, be, I'd been out for a year and a half and hadn't seen the original wave, mm-hmm. but the Delta wave was, was much worse. Even one of the coworkers was like, this is way worse than anything in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of the, a lot of diseases have a face, um, you know, a look to the person, uh, mm-hmm. an overall appearance or, or literally just a look on their face, You know, cancer is one of them where they start to waste and get very skinny and things like that. And then Mm -hmm. certain cancers even look a certain way.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. And so
1: COVID has its own face. And so once I was there for literally like a couple shifts, I started to, you could see it, you know, it's sort of this like anxious sort of panting look on people's face because they're starting to get short of breath. And, And there's an anxiety and a, not only from the media, I think there's a biological anxiety sort of component to COVID that's, it's unusual. Something like influenza, people are just miserable. They curl up in the fetal position and, you know, they feel like shit and they want to die, but COVID's different. It's, it's like true fear. Um, and it might be, you know, from that shortness of breath, but that you start to see sort of that picture, um, and you recognize it. And the, the biggest things with COVID was just, uh, blood clots were a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, heart inflammation or heart attacks, um, arrhythmias, you know, cardiac arrhythmias. Um, and then obviously just the full blown bilateral pneumonia where they just, their, their oxygen, people will get to about day five or seven and their oxygen levels will just crump, you know, right. they'll just, it, they'll just tank. Just gotta be super scary. Yeah. I Cause mean, you so... don't know who's gonna do that. Uh, um, right it's just sort of luck of the draw and that plays into sort of the way people have approached it. You know, a lot of the mainstream medicine as far as what can you do? We don't have a solution to that problem. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Sure. Does ivermectin work? Probably. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're still going to the sickest guys I saw were on it already. So, I mean, there's that element too, where there, there's, there's something about it that's just unstoppable, at least at this point. I mean, the vaccine, honestly, in my experience, a lot of the people were unvaccinated that that were getting it, but I did see people vaccinated that had it, saw some side effects. So, I mean, that's sort of the picture. The the picture was sort of like a flu season, but just kind of in the middle of the year, you know, and they are sicker and you have to scan them for everything and run every blood test imaginable because they can have hepatitis or pancreatitis or a blood clot or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So it's, it's very consuming and that's why I think you get the healthcare workers that are pissed off and you get the guilt trips and you mm-hmm. get the 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 hatred you know for the unvaccinated which your friend you know sort of absorbs secondhand.
0: yeah and it's really it's really peculiar i mean whenever um the one thing that i thought would, would be a positive with the vaccine you know regardless of how effective it would be is there are a lot of you know older people or people that were you know had comorbidities or underlying health conditions you know you know being overweight whatever it may be but giving them like the peace of mind that there's something available that may be able to help them because they, again there was so much fear and psychological trauma that people were having about all of this and you know everything around it with you know with with you know restrictions and on movement and lockdowns i thought getting a vaccine like my folks you know they canceled christmas in uh, 2020. yeah Yeah. And so, you know, my brother canceled the flight from Portland and we didn't come down to go be with them and that, but they were just so worried and they wanted to get to the vaccine. They were, they needed to get to the vaccine. So in early, I guess, 2021, it came out. And so I thought that was positive and allowed them to socialize with their family and give them some peace of mind. And so, you know, people like me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a hardcore guy and I'm like, Hey, you know, come on guys. Like I'm skeptical and question everything, which is exhausting at times right? Right. (laughs) Probably the same with you, but it's how we're wired. But I thought that they would, um, you know, at least they feel good about being around their kids and grandkids again. Right. Did you feel similarly in that way or?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I definitely, I think you're right. Um, and in reality, that's what, if you were gonna, you know, roll out a new technology, that's who should get it. Right. It's the yeah. people that are, it's like a death sentence if you get COVID. Okay. Yeah. And it should be voluntary obviously too, but yeah, that's, that's who should have, you know, like my dad was one of the first ones too, cause he's a lifelong smoker and you know, who knows what would have happened if he ever got COVID or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was another, but that, like you're saying though, that was another side of it that was hopeful or maybe good, but that I was also very skeptical because it was already in the beginning attached, you know, to the freedom component right away. And in fact, some people even told me I want it so I can get my freedom back. And I'm like, well, that's kind of, yeah. backwards right well
0: and let's get more into that like let, let's let's kind of dive in what's going on around the world right now because <laughs> we let's let's go <laughs> yeah let's go into conspiracy corner sure. because i think that you're put the tinfoil hat on. yeah let's let's put it on let's go yeah and um talk about you know you kind of anticipated what was going on you know here we are almost two years later since uh you know since this thing is released out in the world or at least when it was officially you know we're aware right. of it um Are you surprised by the way governments have
1: reacted? Not at all. I mean, I think, so uh, shameless plug a little bit. I actually wrote a book uh, sort of about this like five years ago. It was a little bit different. It was sort of like a little bit further in the future and it wasn't really about the rollout or anything, but it was a a world basically where this was already happening. You know, Mm -hmm. there was already sort of QR codes biometric sort of processing centers and things like that for movement between states or countries. Um, and I don't, I honestly don't remember why or, or what tipped me off to that. You know, like I'd sort of talked about before, what was it? What one thing I don't, I don't remember. Uh, but no, I, I, I knew pretty early on that, you know, the, the passport was the thing. Right. And because one thing I didn't, you know, put together in the beginning though, was sort of the, the climate carbon stuff. Um, digital mm-hmm. currency was, is part of the passport thing, right. but you know, they, I, I just knew from, you know, those years of sort of conspiracy research and right. writing a book about it and sort of just brainstorming, right? you know, what, what that world is going to look like with a digital sort of, you know, chain around everything. Um, Pretty much knew this is sort of how they were going to do it. I'm actually surprised they didn't do it faster.
0: And that, that's the big thing. Like I think about in 9-11, that was, you know, whenever my, you know, like the, the the switch flipped for me. And I remember watching videos on the, it was, I call it the old internet. Yeah. You know, back whenever things could go viral and it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, social media and everything wasn't centralized. And you would just come across the most obscure, interesting things. It was much more raw and unfiltered and, and, it, right. and it was a great time, but I remember seeing the videos back then and then going down, watching the movie Zeitgeist, I remember came out within a yeah, year or two. That was a good one. Kind of, it, like the, it was just an introduction to all the different conspiracy theories and about yeah. currency and the people who own money and how they use war to you know, profiteer and, and grow their right. power base. and It kind of connected all the dots in a certain way. Not like specific, specific, but just give you the kind of general overview and how this stuff may work. Yeah, And so I've always been inclined, but then I think it, it, it has taken a long time. Like I'm like 18, you know, in 2000, 2001, and here I am now 20 years later. And I feel like things are really starting to kick in hyperdrive. Right. But, um, it's taken a long, long time to get here. And, um, you know, then I look at guys that are like, you know, in their early to mid twenties and they haven't, they don't even hardly remember. They don't remember nine 11. Right. But they see what's going on now. And a lot of them do get it. And, you know, the whole question I have and I'll ask you this question is, you know, it's these things take a long time to develop, you know, from like nine eleven and all the things that happen in the financial crisis, these huge events. And then with COVID really seem like it's the accelerant for everything. And, you know, how is that going to you know, what's going to play out over the coming years? Because I think we're probably both of the of the belief that, you know, there's a master plan here. There's some puppeteers that are, um, working very hard to, you know, bring everything together and control the majority of the world. So, I mean, what do you think the future looks like? Man, I, I think, I think it could go a couple ways. Um,
1: the book that I'm, that I referred to, you know, took a, a kind of an approach that was sort of the purpose of writing it. So that's, you know, one reason I, I write, is to solve problems, you know, that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. So it could go a couple ways, right? It, it depends on if, if the people that want this type of control, if they're really going to push something or if they really wanted to follow some, you know, nightmare depopulation agenda or something, you know, you're, I, I think you could, you could conceivably have like a, a big sort of, you know, fissure in, in their net in the network or kind of their support structure where people aren't going to want to go along with it anymore. You know, when you get something that's plausible, like, you know, COVID accidentally leaking from a lab or, or mm-hmm. maybe it was on purpose or whatever, but pretty, you know, I, it's obviously terrible. Um, but it could have been a lot worse. Right. I mean, Correct. everybody tells like a oh, death rate isn't that high, even if right. even for the most at risk. So if they decided to go that way where they really unleash something awful, I think you could get some pushback. Maybe some like military factions could try like a coup or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think though that what's kind of surprising is the slow walk sort of has two like good and bad to it. Right. You can slow Mm -hmm. walk stuff. The, The reason that the ultra wealthy and powerful, Do things so slowly so that more people, so people don't see it, Mm -hmm. right? You can do nine 11 and put these weird scanners in the airports and do, um, the Patriot act and suspend civil liberties, a hundred miles from every coastline or border. Yeah. But that was 20 years ago. So you forget about it and you get used to it. Then COVID can come along and you can install a bunch of other crap and then wait, you know, another 20 years. The, the, the people doing this, they don't have to worry about money. They're not worried about paying their mortgage. <laughs> no, they're not worried no. about their kids, 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 futures, right? They've got so much money. So they think generate generationally and they think in terms of pure raw power, you know, versus survival or maybe, you know, social climbing enough to like Trump's a pretty powerful, rich guy, but he's, he's not on the level of these Not even guys. close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So So the sort of the duality of what they've done is they have sort of woken up a lot of people. A lot of people realize that they want to tie digital currency to a passport to your car and shut your life down if you're not if you're a bad boy or whatever. (laughs) So in that sense, the slow walk can fool people. But it was kind of dumb because we got our message out, you know, where it doesn't matter anymore where the fucking virus came from. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they release it on purpose or not, because now they're trying to take advantage of it. Exactly. And it's indisputable. I mean, you can go to their web, you know world economic forum website. You can find out every person that's involved. You can look at the news or whatever and see that it's those people in addition to others. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the cover is blown. I mean, look at a guy like Trudeau. I mean, it's beyond blown. Everybody yeah. knows the question is what what can you say without getting canceled? And what can you do? And I think that's sort of where the world is, you know, the truckers are doing what they're doing because nobody knows what else to do. So it's, I don't know which way it's going to go. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, the path of kind of least damage is probably going to be you know, where they just kind of crawl back into their hole and hide, but
0: they're not going to stop. Right. I mean, no, uh, no, they you, they, you, they may take a little L right. Like let's right. say that, you know, cause this, this, this trucker situation, this blockade, um, you know, it could become a humanitarian thing to where like, it's not going to play well yeah. if you have like SWAT teams and military that are like clearing the roads and throwing these guys in jail. I mean, that's going to be a real, real problem. So, I'm sure they're game planning. What can they do to kind of yeah. get out of this and continue to, you know, keep as much of the restrictions in place as they possibly can while getting these guys out of the way and maybe take a small L, but they're going to come back with something else.
1: Well, that's you why know? they game plan those things with yeah. like Rockefeller lockstep and the sparse pandemic at Johns Hopkins. Like they, they think tank these things decades ago because they want to, Kind of like my book, right? It's like you you just do, you run game theory on it, and you see all the permutations and kind of what might happen. and And for the case of writing a book or whatever, you pick one and you go with it. And in right. that, and in that, um, doesn't really give away anything if I get it self published. I mean, basically, you get a, a split, right? Where right. somebody's like, this, this this has gone too far. Yeah, you know, they take a step that goes way too far, yeah. and so. Yeah, I mean, but, I,
0: and, but you feel like they have in a certain way, but oh, then yeah. they're getting away with it. I mean, I look at like Australia and New yeah. Zealand and, and Canada and, uh, you know, in some places in Europe and you're thinking, gosh, there, these people are going along with it. I mean, oh, I think I saw something that said that they love it. I, yeah. saw, I think I saw something that said that the trucker strike in Canada, only 30% of Canadians actually, it's like 70% disagree with the yeah. strike. And of course, you know, and I've said it before, you know, my whole mentality is you got these truckers that are like, like taxpayers, like working their ass off, like, like moving product, you know, across the country, you know, stocking shelves, like the most elemental things to keep the lights on and to keep this, you know, the stores full. And, um, you know, they're not asking for much, really, if you think about it, like these people are totally necessary. And yet you've got a huge swath of the population in Canada that disagrees with it. And they just want these guys to play ball. So I don't know what the hell we do about that because like, I'm all for these guys, you know? And, but it's like, if, if they have, you know, two thirds of the population that isn't really crazy about it, what does the future look like for a place like Canada? Yeah. It's it,
1: what's it's like, you almost get what's happening in America, right? Where, America's you know, unique in that it's gigantic, but it's a constitutional republic. Mm-hmm. So you've got Florida and then you've got Washington or New York or California where you want that little, you know, utopia, dystopia, whichever side you're on, you go right ahead.
0: Yeah. You know, and I don't know. And that's a good segue. Let's talk more about yeah. that, what that looks like here. Yeah, I'm. Do you like comparing the two? You mean, well, I mean, or... I, I just think about you. Make a good point. Like in, uh, you know, in Canada, so you have like, oh, um, yeah. you know, I think ninety percent of the population lives within a hundred miles of the U.S. border. Right. So it's highly concentrated with people just above the border. You know, and I think about the U.S. So their problems are a little bit different. But I think about you know even though they have such a huge landmass, actually yeah. more square mileage in the United States. But you know, here we've got, and and this is something where I want you to talk a little bit more about it because you've been in many disparate locations over the last few years. Like oh, you're, yeah. a, you're like a Southern California guy and living in Nevada, living in Washington, and then you found your place in Florida. And we can talk a little bit about how yeah. you arrived for that. But like you've seen, you know, you know, we really have many different, um, I mean, like kind of countries within the country, like many different cultures and types of people that are, I feel like more than ever before starting kind of sort themselves out. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's, um, that's sort of like the theme of a lot of this too is, is movement, right? Yeah. And that's part of the QR code passport thing. It's like a, a geofence, right? Yeah. Where you can sort of lock places down. And I, it's sort of like people moving <laughs> before that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause they're already doing it. You know, they're kind of locking off certain areas, but yeah, different play, uh, the move across the country. I did the same drive twice. I moved my stuff, you know, our stuff and then my dogs and stuff, uh, separately in my truck. It was, uh, it's funny because you really do people in Washington. It was like a totally other world, man. It was like, you know, I would be the one guy without a mask, like, Mm. you know, in a grocery store or whatever. And, um, the one guy that got fired from my ER, the one, you know, literally one guy. Yeah. So then you come somewhere like here where, you know, there's people wearing masks and stuff. Sometimes it's even like fifty-fifty in the right setting, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it was pretty interesting that.
0: <laughs> but nobody gives you shit for not
1: wearing them. No, like or, if you're or up the here. other way around. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, you, dude, you you cross over like the border or whatever into Idaho from Washington, and it's. You know, it's just kind of like it's over, <laughs> right. You know, and what's, yeah. what's interesting though, is you said a country like within a country or whatever. So I was in the two places in Washington on the Seattle side and then on the dry side and put mm-hmm. tri cities, a small kind of smaller town. But even in those kind of quote unquote red areas, the overall culture of the state W- still was there, you know, where people were really, like I said, they were really wearing masks and stuff, even mm-hmm. though they would claim to be conservative or something like that. And not that the, that political label or ideology needs to wear a mask or not. But it was just kind of interesting that yeah. like you're saying, like it's, so, there's like a, a
0: spectrum right between right. like blue and red. Or That's whatever. a good point though. Cause it's not like there's necessarily a hard cutoff because there are certain places that, um, you know, I remember being in North Carolina, you know, um, uh, you know, a few months ago when the leaves change colors, like in the Western part and highlands and stuff and, you know, playing golf out there. And it's like, people are still more like, it's close to Asheville, yeah. which is like a little Portland, yeah. Yeah, like, super there, yeah. blue, <laughs> like super blue, you know, like, we're like, you're walking down the street and it's like, you know, somebody's by themselves and they have a mask on and you don't have a mask on and they're like walking around you and it's like, guys, like, what are we doing? You know, but that's kind of how they think. But even there, like people are more, I would say sensitive to it, like sensitive to mask or the vaccine. And they want you to know they're vaccinated because it's a way of like, Hey, you know, it's okay. And I'm kind of thinking, man, like you don't have to tell me anything. Like that's totally your personal business. You don't need to, but I think there is something to it. Like things kind of, there's certain regions that maybe it's you know, less than like the heart of Austin or the heart of Seattle or the heart of Portland or Asheville. But, you know, if you're within a stone's throw of that, people are still a little bit more, you know, closer to that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a, so right when we moved out of Seattle, we get to the east side of Washington and, you know, there's still mask mandates or whatever. I don't don't remember exactly. But there was like one bar in the town across the river that, (laughs) that like you could go in and, and eat with it, you know, without a mask on, I and mean, get a beer, yeah. and stuff like that. It was, it's just so funny. We that found that a bar was, like this in
0: Colorado, man. I remember we went on a yeah. vacation because we we couldn't, we didn't want to get on a plane. And I'm, I'm thinking of this now. I, I got to remember the name of this bar. <laughs> and this is another whole other thing, like the classic dive bar. I love a good yeah, dive yeah, bar, yeah, yeah, and they're hard to find. But we ended up finding this like some little town in Colorado had this bar, and in the middle of COVID, yeah. Like COVID's at a fever pitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, it kind of like, I guess, summer of 2020 and we did this road trip and we found this one bar that was like, just, it was like an Island. It was an oasis, you know, like the classic American dive bar. And my yeah. wife and I had one of the most fun times. It's we amazing had, that that was novel, that that was a novelty. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? And yeah. there were places even then that weren't really doing that. I mean, it's, I mean, I didn't get here until a couple months ago, so yeah. It's just funny, you know, that there are still people living like that. You know, like my friend, I I think they have passports in Seattle now.
0: I want to ask you this. So so it's like, um, one thing I've noticed the last couple of years is, and I guess it's happened, you know, COVID did it. And then the election probably added something as well, like 2020 election in terms of a lot of, you know, you know, my kind of historical friendships, people that I've known for a long time has changed the dynamics of it have changed. And, you know, people, you know, with COVID particularly, you know, people aren't meeting as much, they're not traveling as much. And that separation has become almost like part of our wiring now where people are more used to not getting together as much. Yeah. And then you add like the political divide, you know, so you'll have like a physical divide because of COVID and then you've got a political divide because of, you know, the you know, Trump and Biden, everything going yeah. on around that. Um, people are really, you know, like it's it's kind of reconstituted and reshuffled a lot of our friendships. Oh yeah. And for whatever reason, over the last year or so, I think I've found more people as I've gotten more active online on Twitter, I'm starting to connect with people like yourself that, um, and it's crazy to me cause I'm not someone that's big on that. Like I wasn't like a tender person and right. Yeah. Like I've never been too into that, but it's like You and I probably have a lot more, um, like our frame of reference is more similar. Our reference points are more similar than a lot of members of my own family where I've got to explain all this stuff. Whereas there's all these things that you and I can talk about because I know your account and you know, my account and you probably know me in certain ways really, really well.
1: Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, you know, and that's happened to me too, like the personal kind of angles, even with family members and stuff, it's, you know, when you're, when you, when you're that sort of into it, as far as what I was, I was very passionate about it from the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's what I do for a living. I was able to spot the inconsistencies and call it out right away. And people didn't really like that, you know, at all. Um, and it does change, you know, people's relationships and it's the The one thing that I liken it to, I saw it, you know, on some special or documentary or something, they talked about, um, you know, what happened in like, um, East Germany say, you know, Mm -hmm. where, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got basically, you know, a secret police and when they opened up the records, when the wall fell, Mm -hmm. nobody would go because it was almost always your family members that were turning you in. Holy
0: crap. You don't want to know. So you
1: didn't want to know, you just said, fuck it. I'm not even going to bother. And so, you know, (laughs) that's just sort of an example of like, yeah, people, you know, it's the divide and conquer, you know, even dogs know how to do that. And that's sort of an element. I think if you're looking at it, like this is an intentional thing that's being done, you know, that that's one of the benefits of the media sort of war. And that's also an interesting thing you brought up with Twitter though, because it's like, well, did we find each other or did you get paired, you know, with the algorithms and stuff like that? So how organic is all that? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's, but part of the problem too, if you're people like us is that when you're skeptical. Like I had a situation where in the very beginning, you know, I was new to Twitter, new to the whole thing. I didn't really know. I didn't really know exactly what even was going on with COVID. I didn't know who the world economic forum was. Right. Right. So you don't really know where, where's the web all connecting, you know, but people would call out stuff that was wrong about what things like theories basically, you know, Mm -hmm. like just because I'm questioning it and trying to figure it out, you know, and it was sort of before. You know, at the end of 2020, most of the players had been named and things like that. But yeah, it was, yeah. so you automatically got labeled too. And that was that's sort of part of that. This whole two year process has been, yeah, I've been wrong about a lot of shit when it comes to this stuff Yeah, because I'm trying to figure it out. Right. But I'm, you know, a lot of people aren't. And so yeah. I think that process from beginning to end, I mean, I think, you know, in the end, a lot of us have been more right on the big picture than wrong necessarily, you know, yeah. there's some details wrong, but you know, it rubs. Well, it's
0: not like we want to be right on all of it. Either. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not like I want to like, you know, like I'm, yeah. you know, you know, it, I'm so happy about the way things are going and that we have this evil cabal that's yeah. totally yeah. clandestine, but at the same time operating in plain sight and that people, and what I try to do is just hit people with little tidbits of information like more of just, I yeah. want you to think about something like, you know, here's an article, here's a tweet, here's something that maybe can just change your perspective a little bit instead of saying, Hey, here's this comprehensive plan of what these people are doing. <laughs> yeah, And that I believe all of it. Like, I don't want to do that. I just want to be like, Hey, let's expose them to a little bit of, you know, dissident thought or something. Maybe it's a data point that they haven't seen and they need to see. But a lot of times, you know, you're met with radio silence, Oh yeah. Or met with and I'm like, well, and, and you realize like, wait a second, like, you know, do I really want to go to this level of effort? Because like, and I, you're, I, I'm, I would assume you're kind of like that guy that you've been in your family. That's like S- sounding the alarm. Yeah. <laughs> endlessly curious. And yeah. It's like, Hey yeah. guys, like watch out for this. And you're not going to say, Hey, I'm hundred percent sure this is right, but like, let's take a look. Like you might, it might be worth your time, but, um, it can wear people out because they just want to, you know, They want to watch, they want to watch the ball game. Like they want to talk about who's winning the golf tournament. And, you know, Jordan Spieth isn't putting very good recently. And what do you think could be going on with, I'm I'm serious. These are the kind of things we talk about in our family, you know, and I just am kind of so divorced from that in a way.
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) what's funny to me is that I've, I, I, I haven't watched football in two years. Part of it was like, I couldn't stand looking at the masks and like the messaging all the goddamn time. All the,
0: oh, the messaging since, since George Floyd. Yeah. Somewhere like, yeah, the BLM stuff or whatever. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and
1: yeah, you, as you withdraw, you know, from that, it gets, it gets even harder. And if you are the guy, like in the beginning, like I said, I was much more adamant, like, oh my God, look what I, look what I learned and look how smart I'm figuring all this out. Like people, people really get sick of it. And especially if they buy into it, you know, that they're offended. Right. And so it's kind of like, you know, just stop talking about sex and politics and, you know, race and all those right. the typical stuff, just...
0: like the comfort zones for most people. Yeah. The bachelor, the bachelorette, what's going on there. I mean, that's what people. Oh, yeah. You, and and yeah. I,
1: I, like you said, I think the big things I do is when I see something really kind of stunning, I'll send it kind of in the blanket text to people like a text chain that's already existing, yeah. like say one, uh, um, something about COVID with, a, uh, you know, who knows some side effect of the vaccine where it's, you know, thousands of people are getting this. It's like, well here, you might want to think about this, you right. know, you know, even though my family and probably most of my friends are vaccinated, it's just like, well, well
0: mine too, but that's yeah.
1: really the extent of, as far as I'll go anymore It's just like
0: almost just kind of like a, I warned you, you well, know. well but something too, that, um, that I like is, you know, you've got over 22,000 followers on Twitter and it's going to keep growing. You have a body of work. You have reference points there and like what you believe. And so, you know, people can go there and understand exactly where you stand. And I kind of, you know, for better or worse. And I, I feel the terrified. same. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit. He, I thought that he was, I, I thought he was that guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is people since I have you know, haven't been able to, to work, it's people have actually said, Look, like, maybe you should go put a, put take your face off of this Well, you're so good on
0: Twitter, you know, it's just, yeah, know.
1: you're channeling all that energy there. Well, it's like <laughs> did they just go and look at my Twitter account and be like, No, fuck this guy, we can't have this guy, he's crazy.
0: Yeah. But well yeah, it, 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 it it takes a while to get to that point, but um you know, so one of the things people you know, so I've I guess the last year or so become more active on Twitter. And, um, you know, I'll send stuff to my dad, you know, or to my brothers in, in this like group, you know, you know, I chain and they're like, Hey, you know, that's good. You know, and like, Hey, you're growing, you know, you're getting more. Fun. And of course my, my dad asked, he's like, well, how can you monetize this? Yeah. <laughs> it's that's a, a very it's boomer a question, thought, yeah. but it, but it, it's, it's reality. It's kind of like, okay, you're spending all this time and energy on this. Yeah. You know, um, and it looks good, but how do you actually make money at it? And it's very difficult to do. And we actually yeah. did an interview recently with Monty Marklin, who's a guy that's done, you know, he ran a game studio in Hollywood and he produced his oh, own wow. movie as a lead actor. And he's a just an incredible guy. Talk about going down the rabbit hole. And I hope one day we can all get together and you can meet him. Because yeah. I think you guys would, you know, he's like 42, 43, like awesome Gen Xer. Gen Xers yeah. are going to save the world. That's right. I'm a Zenniel. I'm not a Gen Xer, but I'm, I'm with you in yeah, spirit. I, sn- I snuck in there. Yeah, Almost there. Almost there. But, um, you know, Monty was talking about Twitter as uh, it's just a marketing channel, and that a lot yeah. of people get caught up in Twitter saying that, oh, this is going to change the world, and this is, you know, we're going to start new community and all this. And he's like, well, it just, it's just, just you know, it's a billboard. It's another way of advertising. And I actually agree with that, even though, like, we're here right now, and it's, you know, and that's great, but we've got to build something outside of that. And Twitter by itself isn't going to get, necessarily get the job done, right? Right. So, um, what do you think about that? Is well, that- I,
1: you you wind up I think with sort of just the problem of modern media, right? I mean, as soon as as soon as Napster came out, Tower Records closed down. And mm-hmm. how do you monetize music? Okay. Well, then they had to get rid of they basically had to get rid of um torrenting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I can still go torrent a movie. But it's not like it was. You know what I mean? If you were Remember stealing like, music. Kaza
0: was one, I think. and
1: Yeah, there was a, a, a million and, of them. Yeah. And um, in the beginning, me and this friend of mine, uh, w- when iPods were started, started coming out, we would steal everybody's iPod. So if I, if I came over here <laughs> yeah. to do whatever, yeah. we would be like, I want yours and yours. Because you could just take them. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do that. You know what I mean? You plug it in and it's like, do you want to sync? And it'll delete your phone. You know, if you try and sync your phone with a new laptop, but that was amazing back then you could just do it. It was wild west, Mm -hmm. you know, but then you see the tanking of traditional media, you know, and it's the, the same problem still exists because nobody wants to, you know, it's like nobody wants to pay for the New York times now. Right. And that, you know, it was like the New York times. I mean, I don't necessarily read it. I think a lot of it's, you pay for it, but no, 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 I don't, Okay, but, but that's what I mean though, is just in general, people don't want to. And I don't, I don't know that anybody's even solved the problem yet, which is what you're talking about is how do you monetize it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, it's more, it's more like you have to have a product that's, you know more marketable and sellable as its own thing. Like for me, it would be books. I just happen to prefer writing novels. And I've written a few that I'm starting now being unemployed so long, starting to kind of get them ready to do that. But Mm -hmm. that's the only reason I'm on Twitter. You know, just like you're saying is it's just a platform to talk a bunch of shit, get people to like you. And then, you know, here's the link to this book I wrote a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And even something like Substack, which has a built in feature, is way too expensive. I mean, the minimum thing you can do is like 5 bucks a month or 50 bucks a year. I mean, that's way too much for one guy.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like what do you th- yeah, I I agree. And one of our our good friends who's you know, prolific on Substack, you know, really smart guy, you know, he's it's like this isn't worth it. The the yeah. time and energy I put into this and what I get out of it is insane. And it's the same thing with Twitter. And so I think what you're 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 hitting on and it's 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 totally true is you've got to have some kind of a branded product outside of that, that you can refer people to. And I mean, it it,
1: could be a shoe, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what it is. It could be
0: it could be like sweatpants. It could be socks. It could be sunglasses, like any number of things, but you've got to have something that you can sell. And I think that, you know, you're getting to the point where, I mean, you're already thinking like that, you know, and you've got, you know, basically, you know, repository of idea and books. Yeah, that I'm interested in learning more about, you know, as we continue the conversation. But, um, you know, Twitter is I think that's a good way to look at it. Like, you know, you keep sharp, you keep up to date. It's got multi, you know, types of utility. But in terms of are we going to change the world here? Are we going to, you know, necessarily build a brand exclusively here? I think that can be a fool's errand.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's interesting you know, and my sort of journey on there is just that you, it's, it's kind of has pluses and minuses, right? Because now mm-hmm. I've got, you know, X number of followers. I don't know how many are bots, but yeah. like,
0: can we talk about a little bit how oh, like yeah. we yeah. were talking about how growth works and kind of how you went viral oh, yeah. and how like there's different levels. If we can talk about that for a couple of minutes, cause it was really for insightful. Sure. And I hadn't heard anybody really talk about that before.
1: Yeah. So Twitter, you know, if you look at Twitter, it's, it's two things. Um, any social media is really, one of my friends said, this is basically glorified email or texting. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just a way you can say a bunch of words and send it to people. That's it. Right. Okay. And, but it's, it's also a video game. Twitter, especially way more. So I think than other social media platforms, it's a video game. And what I mean by that is the algorithms in Twitter seem to be a lot different than the other platforms Mm -hmm. there. I don't know how they work. You know, I I doubt very many people do that, you know, aren't deep, deep in that system, um, but once I started to kind of see the way people are successful on Twitter. It, the whole thing started to make sense, you know, to me more. So basically the most, to me the most successful Twitter accounts do a couple things. They either say the same stuff over and over again, that's on brand and it's written well Mm -hmm. and it's maybe it's a unique thought. Um, you know, they're either just doing that or they're doing kind of more what I'm doing, which is just um, more of a – every every tweet is a one-off. You know, it's just throwing out thoughts about what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And since that's sort of the, the route I took um, and the way that I gained followers through a series of viral tweets, you know, a handful of them, maybe s- – probably under 10 you know that had more than 10,000 likes or something like that That's you know just it's extremely hard yeah yeah it's yeah. It, it is but it it's like it's not that big of a deal but it keeps happening to me yeah yeah and i and we were talking i don't know <laughs> how i don't know you can't predict it at all yeah but you know the what sort of happens I'll give away basically my secret right here. Anybody that wants to know the secret.
0: All right. Here we are.
1: There's a few of them, but every social media has times where people are on there. Generally Mondays, uh, Thursdays and Saturdays, I think is Twitter. Fridays are dead. Sundays are dead times, right? When I moved from West coast to East coast, I had to adjust. So you don't, Don't ever tweet at 1 PM on the, on the East coast. Don't ever tweet, you know, I'm not going to wake up and tweet something at 6 AM here. Nobody's going to see it. (laughs) And so when they do see it, so as people wake up, you're going to get lost. Okay. I call it like the swarm. So what you always want to do too, is if you think you got like a spicy hot take, you got to get in the swarm first. So you got to, they, Twitter has to know you're there. Hmm. You you have to say Twitter, I'm here. So maybe you'll comment on something or you'll like something or whatever. Retweet some bullshit that you don't care about. But then once you start seeing people in your feed and you know that people are, they're seeing, they are seeing you in their feed, then you do it. So that's, that's one of the secrets. That's, that's the, the logistics of it. Right. Then to me. The ultimate secret is maybe having the talent to think of a unique thought and to word it in a way, in a careful way. But the biggest thing I think I do, that's not the branded type of Twitter is just scroll through the feed for your, you know, your feed for a while mm-hmm. and just see what everybody else is talking about. I'm not going to come on here or go on to Twitter or whatever and Everybody's talking about the truckers. Well, why do you think I haven't been tweeting in the last couple of <laughs> days? Because I don't really have anything to say. Right. It just doesn't speak to me. I mean, I really feel, for, I think they're doing a great thing. It's not, that's not, it's not the issue. The issue is I just don't have anything to say about it. Right. But I'm not going to come on there and talk about something else. You know what I mean? It, it's going to get lost it, or you can, and that's fine, but you know, it's not going to go viral.
0: But you have a different little like spin on it. Necess- you know, maybe a little more nuanced right. thought than but what. That's when stuff's going to go viral. I think is
1: what I'm getting at uh-huh. is when you can combine all three of those. When you can combine the timing and the logistics of Twitter with mm. being able to identify what the majority of people that Twitter's grouping you with are thinking about. And then to add something that nobody else can add. So we had talked, uh, at lunch a little bit about some, some of the, these same things. And it was like the one I was telling you about where I was walking my dog and tweeted something about myocarditis when that started to be a thing with the vaccine Mm -hmm. just totally thought about it, pulled my phone out of my pocket, two pit bulls in my other hand, tweeted it, sent it. By the time I got home, it's already, it's, it's (laughs) gone, you know, the trains off the platform, right? Because I put it in a way that nobody else had thought of yet. Right. And that, that
0: is maybe part of the skill or why I'm, you Oh, know. it's a big skill. I mean, for yeah. you to have, have, have come as far as you have in, in such a short period of time, I mean, there's an authenticity to it. I mean, with, with the thing you posted yeah. on your last day, but there is something to where you can kind of, um, you know, know when to enter the room, know how to read the room, that's and they know how to it. speak to the room. That's a really, just,
1: that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it's exactly it. I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar to doing it in person because it's so live, you know, yeah. it's very hard. I've, you've, you mentioned this a lot. It's, it's a vicious sort of platform to go on which is why most people don't do it mm-hmm. unless you're, you know, a media personality. I mean, a lot of normal people are on there too, but it's also yeah. why a lot of people don't ever. Yeah. post all. I mean, you're a
0: great writer. I mean, like, you know, you've written long form, you're sure. great at writing pithy content, a couple of sentences. Yeah. So like, you're going to be more at home here. Uh, but, yeah. some, but some people, they look at this and they're like, it, it's just too daunting. And they may not be inclined to be able to do that. And it's just kind of, <gasps> you know, or
1: they, yeah, or they just don't give a shit. And that's fine right.
0: too. You know what I mean? Right. It's, yeah.
1: it's, I always, I think before I was ever even on Twitter, I just looked at it like it's for reporters and stuff. Right. And then when I did go on there, you know, one of my first kind of takes was like, we're saying is just like, ah, I, I was happy to just follow people and, and be their reply guys because I wasn't a content creator. It's like, it's not personal. I don't care. Yeah. You know, Yet. but now, yeah. <laughs> right. And <laughs> now then you are right. And yeah. I was already, I want, you know, I was a writer kind of my whole life. And so once I decided, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start writing again, it was like, okay like now I can take it seriously. And then I really started to kind of take it more seriously. And, and, um, you know, the biggest influence for me on there was Walter Kern, who's an author and kind of looking at how he did it, you know, his approach is, is a good one. And I'm not, you know, he's much smarter and you better at it even than I am, um, just in his approach of looking at the world and summarizing it and, 100 characters or whatever, you know, but right. you can learn a lot by just watching, you know, what other people are
0: doing too. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it though. Cause I think, you know, people have different kinds of writing styles. You know, for me, it was probably more of like writing essays is uh, you know, multiple pages, but trying to go beyond that may be a little bit of a challenge. So that's kind of how I think, but with Twitter, you know, you have to find a way to fit a thought within, I think it's like 280 characters now, 240, two, yeah. 280, something like that. Yeah. And then maybe you want to extrapolate it a little bit more, and you want to have a chain, which I'm not too big on chains. Yeah, some never people are for me. Yeah, some people are big on that. For me, it just kind of is hard. So you have to find a way to make it fit within that, and it can take time, unless you're just, you know, a super talented person that's yeah. wired like
1: that. What's funny is I've I, it's helped me learn to write <clears throat> <clears throat> mm-hmm. because I never. I never got into like journalism, you know, I know I I did creative writing and stuff, but I I never took journalism. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest rule is don't bury the lead. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're writing an article and and they're going to chop it off, cause it's not going to fit in your little column. That's however yay big, you know, it's just like Twitter. It's like, if you have something to say, say it, you know, and you construct even the sentences in the right way where you're, you're not you know, the subject of the sentence isn't at the very end, you know, you're saying, right. you know, the dog ate the homework, you know, right. and you just say it. Right. Um, and then you get into format. That's one of my pet peeves
0: is I just can't stand it. If it looks weird. So um, I have a problem with sequencing. I've noticed like I'll have, you know, some, some good thoughts, but like they'll sometimes they'll be jumbled into where it's like, there's something that may be like the third sentence and it needs to be the second sentence. Yep. Syntax. The syntax can be a little bit more difficult to, you know, I have to massage that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that, t- and again, that takes time. Again, some people, you know, look, there are people out there like Christopher Hitchens that can, you know, speak as they write Yeah. with, you know, perfect diction and clarity and, and, you know, f- sentences to flow together into paragraphs and to, I mean, there's very few people that can do that. It take it takes time to get there.
1: Well, and it's a balance between yeah. that, between trying to craft some, stupid fucking tweet that nobody's going to like <laughs> yeah. and then just ripping one off that, right. you know, goes viral and yeah. people, everybody sees it. It's, it's, it's really bizarre. And, you know, but <laughs> it really is just like, sometimes I just look at it, you know, you, like we're saying, it's like, you just go, well, what am I even doing here? Like yeah. I, I, like I said something the other day and I, I really meant it. Like sometimes I just want to just delete it and just go back to my normal life. But my normal life's over. You know, it's like, it's not the
0: same. So it's it's just kind of funny that, you know, here, that's, that's the way I feel too. I mean, in in an ideal world, I don't think it would exist. Like I wouldn't, you know, have to worry about, but at the same time, this is the reality and we're not better than the reality that we're living in. Right. Right. So we've got to find some way to make sense of it and then make it work for us. But, um, yeah, I mean, it does, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's in the back of your mind all the time. Like I'm going to the beach with my wife and I'm like, Hey, what's going on on Twitter? Yeah. You know, it's by your bedside at night, what's going on? You wake up in the morning, oh, what my, are my notifications? My wife, my
1: wife calls Twitter my girlfriend. I mean, <laughs> how's your what's your girlfriend up to? <laughs> like uh, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I mean it's it's pretty amazing though that you can reach people and I you know, we're sitting here. Yeah. You know, you you know, I've made a few connections that may pay off, you know, in terms of writing or whatever at some point in the future. And yeah. sounds like you've made some connections too that you know, and everybody's trying to figure this out too. Even our, yeah. you know, our, our two sort of, um, you know, we're, we're their protégés, our mentors are yeah. kind of like, they're running into the same issues.
0: We, 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 that was one of the first conversations I had w- with him was, uh, you know, we're both trying to figure our way out in this new world. And, you know, I've had ideas, you know, really over the last, um, you know, I had a startup I worked on for about a decade and when COVID hit and I realized that was the end of it. You know, which was the case for many, many businesses. And what was it for? It was in the beverage industry. I had a spirits oh, okay. product where you would mix a, a, like a shot of vodka or tequila into a juice mixer that was like hot filled. So it was Pretty like sweet. Yeah. Fresh juice. So you could have like an actual screwdriver or cranberry vodka. And but it's not pre-mixed. Already it's not pre-mixed. Right and so for some things that can be a real problem. A lot of things that are pre-mixed, they don't have really any fruit juice at all or right. yeah. very, very, very little. Uh, but this was something where you would have much more juice. And so it's like an actual cocktail that you would be able to make at home or go get at a bar, you know, within certain limitations, you know, but. And what happened with COVID? Well, I mean, it was, you know, I, I'd raised, you know, several million dollars for it. I just launched it in the Walmart and I had a deal guys were going to put in a couple. And nobody, this is not something I've talked about publicly, but I don't mind doing it. Um, You know, I, so I had raised a couple of million bucks in this deal. And, you know, these guys just didn't really put the money that they said they were going to put in. And then, you know, $2 million deal, you're expecting wire transfers of like, you know, 100,000, 250,000. And this is like multiple parties that are investing for this $2 million yeah. round. And all of a sudden you're seeing like, you know, 10,000 and 5,000 and 25,000. I'm like, guys, this is really not what we're, and then it, it just went dead. And so I thought, and I had just launched in the wall. i was, you know, preparing for a launch to Walmart nationally, you know, in in, uh, in multiple states, and um, you know I continued to look for money, and um, you know had pretty much exhausted everything, and I had I came close with one group, and then COVID hit, and then that group basically disbanded. You know, a lot of these angel groups, yeah, did disband when COVID hit because yeah. people needed to keep their own businesses up. I mean, oh, all of a sudden, yeah, like you, you think about it, you're an angel investor and. You know, you want to throw 50 grand in this business or 50 grand, 100 grand in this business. That all of a sudden, COVID hits, and you have, you know, you have a critical, you know, you know situation at your at your bread and butter company. Yeah, that happened to a lot of people. It's true. And so when that happened, I just and you know, you couldn't do de- you couldn't do sampling and demos in liquor stores yeah. and grocery stores. So I just realized the world had changed. And trying to, you know, venture capital got cut in half during that time. I just realized isn't going to, you know, continue on. So, you know, I went through a period of consulting, you know, and then doing some, you know, playing around in crypto and um, you know, which was good, you know, not like great, you know, still need to figure yeah. it out, but it, you know, was able to do okay there. And, you know, just, but there's a lot of people that are looking for something right now. I've noticed yeah. this like the last couple of years. And so, because the world is different and we want to go back to normie world and be a W2 employee. And have to go eat the shit sandwich that the corporate world is going to make us eat, or are we going to figure something out? And well, and it's an all-out assault because
1: uh, you know I don't remember the name of this bill, the 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 work bill the, that they've been trying to get rid of 1099 and status and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's funny because one of my best friends was a nurse, ER nurse, same mm-hmm. thing, Washington State, got fired. Dude works in like a um I forget which company it is, but he's he works in like a, a heavy machinery dealership now, like mm-hmm. fixing small motors for like twenty bucks an hour. You he's know he's a what I mechanic mean? now. Yeah, he's yeah. a mechanic. Yeah. And and he was making got you know, forty, fifty bucks an hour as an ER nurse. Right. And then you got me, you know, like practicing emergency medicine and it's just over. Yeah. Just just like that. Over. Boom. Yeah. And it's it's funny. My, my path has been interesting. You know, I'm not sort of the church-going religious type, but there's been something going on. Spiritual. like you're saying, yeah, where I've been protected. So, you know, we were talking about Vegas at lunch. We both spent some time there. I just kind of randomly caught a real estate wave there and, and flipped a couple houses. But the mm-hmm. second one was such, such a fucking nightmare that I ended up having to do all the work myself. I'm talking drywall mm-hmm. from scratch building showers, you know, everything. You so could you gutted of. it,
0: insulation, you do electrical yeah, as well? Yeah, it was OG
1: 1963. Okay. So I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I had- Mid-century nightmare. Mid-century Vermont. nightmare, <laughs> yep. And it was, I, you know, I had like guys do big stuff, like all the tile flooring where one dude, would take you forever, you know, but right. um, other than that, I basically did everything. And wow. it was one of those where I left that house, went to Washington and COVID happened. And luckily that house, you know, was basically new and it needed more landscaping type stuff, which was pretty, you know, pretty easy to do. Um, but what I'm getting at is like all that, that nightmare happened to me right before COVID happened and gave me an out, you know, I live in my fifth house in five years and it just
0: happened to be that way where it's kept me afloat. That's what, I, no, it, I got, that's what happened to me too. I got, I kind of got an out. Like I was, you know, struggling with this startup and it had been through all kinds of fits and starts, stops and, you know, starting, stopping momentum, building, breaking and having to start, I mean, all these things happen and as difficult as it was, it did give me air cover yeah, in a sense to where I'm like, okay. So if it was going to fail or this, whatever, if it, if it, 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 well, I looked at it and that this probably wasn't going to work out if I was fully funded and was going to It able to take, but the problem is I would have been holding to some to more, more investors and this could have gone on another two, three years, four years. And I'm just going to be, you yeah. know, waste more of my life instead of getting on with it and doing something that I'm really yeah. not only passionate about, but more inclined to do. And yeah. so it, I think that's, so we, we had a, you know, similar situation, different specifics. Yeah. But, um,
1: well, it, it's like a big enough – and maybe that's sort of the purpose of why they're doing it, right? It's to give – it's like a shock treatment, you mm-hmm. know, where you you put a big enough stressor and you just see where everything fucking falls apart. Yeah. And, you know, certain people will do whatever it takes to cling to that, you know, whether it's get up four injections of, you know, this experimental – Software vaccine. updates. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, if you want to do that, great. I, yeah. I don't give a shit. That's fine. But I don't want to do that. So – it really came down to, you know, it broke. And where do you, where do you sit, you know? And, and the real estate thing is, is great. That's always something, you know, that I can do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's where like the Twitter and the writing and all that comes where well
0: you have, you know, Scott Adams, who's our favorite, you know, soy Adams (laughs) talks about building, you know, a skill stack. Yeah. And so you have these skills, you know, that you've, you know, developed over the years to where, You know, you can do any kind of, you know, craftsman's, you know, work, or you know what to look for and can farm it out and hire somebody. You can do handyman. You can write well, you've, you know, you're just stacking these skills. And as a guy that's, you know, still a young man, of course, you know, some of these guys think that, you know, guys in their late (laughs) thirties, early forties are ancient. It's like, guys, you're going to get there and you'll understand. It's actually pretty young, but you know, you're developing all these things that, um, in this brave new world that we're going into is actually going to make you, you know, you're going to be way ahead of other people. You're much more equipped to
1: navigate this. Well, and I'm lucky cuz there are all things that you don't do as an employee. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, the one sport I've always done is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Like there's no re- I mean there's an organizing body for it and stuff like that, but you don't you don't need some sort of license to like go down the street and open up a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu place. You just go mm-hmm. do it. Right you know, and it 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 will be interesting to kind of see you know not only for me but just as sort of how the world shakes out because there's obviously a lot of people that like you're saying feel like this, my friend you're you're seeing these mass migrations of people kind of getting to where they feel like you know they've got some cover right um but it it is a blessing and a curse, and it's um. The good part for us, like you had said, is that if you're building something new, it's the ground floor, right? You know, so if you're building a new sort of, you know, um, not mainstream media, whatever the name for
0: that's going to be, it's like, now's the time to get in on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of, um, in a certain way, it's kind of going back a little bit to that, like that, you know, frontiersman. Yeah. Or that guy in the Wild West that was like a pioneering guy that was gonna. I remember the, you know, the first scene of There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day Lewis. One of the opening scenes where he falls down the well and he's looking for oil, and he ends up breaking his leg and he has to pull himself out without like his leg just dangling there. And the the purpose of that scene was to show you this is a man with an indomitable will. This is a guy that like is out in the middle of nowhere. Could if he if there was any quit in him. He would just wither away there and die, but he pulls himself out and he goes on. That's it, it kind of, you know, it shows you something about him, but I think we're going despite all the bullshit that's going on right now, it's really exciting for the opportunities that are going to emerge. Because I think being a generalist, being somebody that has like this skill stack of different things that you've accumulated over the years is going to serve you well. Whereas people that have, you know, their credentialism, they believe in credentialism or their specialist. If something happens to that specialty or that credential is no longer valid, like they thought, and they've spent, you know, 10, 20, 30 years and they don't have anything else to fall back on. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal.
1: And that's something, um, another book that's very primitive in in the stages. Like, um, last year I wrote like a hundred pages of it and probably out of that hundred 20 of them are any good, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's the the concept yeah. is there, the character and the voice are there. And that's basically where a novel comes from. But that's exactly what I was kind of struggling with and solving, you know, with this thing. And I'm, I'm going to finish it. It's, it's, it's going to be probably pretty, pretty fun to read, but it's a guy, it's a t- surgeon who shouldn't be doing it anymore. But the problem is, is He doesn't know who he is or what he is if he stops. Yeah. And even though it's driving him insane, literally insane in this case, he, he can't stop because he's terrified of who he's going to be if he does or who he's not going to be anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of people are probably going through that where they're doing this, you know, shit they don't want to do because they're terrified of where they're not only just practically where they're going to be, but where does your identity go? Exactly. You know, it's even hard for me. And I never really liked medicine that much. It's like, yeah, yeah, but people really respected me for that, Mm -hmm. you know, and people thought that was really cool. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, that's gone. And it's just, it's funny because I think, you know, there, there's something to what I'm saying, but at the same time like if if I just sort of faked it and just kept calling myself a physician assistant I mean Mm -hmm. I still am but Mm -hmm. it's like I think outside people think about that stuff probably a little bit less you know I mean Mm -hmm. how many tv doctors are there that haven't seen a patient in years but you still think of them as a doctor right
0: right right I don't
1: know it's all this stuff is just it we're still kind of in the thick of
0: this thing you know what I mean like yeah it's still there's a long ways before we're like we can work through all this stuff yeah I mean it just started and I've You know, I remember from, you know, when, when COVID hit and everybody, everything, the world stopped, you know, for several weeks, I did have this realization that this is something has changed forever, like energetically. And I'm not one of these like spiritual mumbo jumbo people. Yeah. But like, you know, some of our friends on Twitter that are constantly like. You know pie in the sky stuff and everything's you know and um, frequencies and all these things i mean yeah. i'm i'm, I'm I, I like that to a point but i also want to live in a world that's like pragmatic you know and there's solutions that i need to figure out and you know i need to live here not just up here but um you know i did realize that something had shifted in the world and it wasn't going to be the same i didn't know exactly what that meant what that entailed for me did you have that same realization back then oh man
1: i, I- I I don't think so. But the big reason why is I was about to have a kid. You
0: had so much going on, dude. You had like yeah. it's it's you had a churn. You had a churn going on that, that Yeah,
1: and, and again my wife when in March my wife was what seven months pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it was this looming sort of, you know right. <laughs> massive shift <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on. Massive shift, yeah. 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 Um, but, but when, I, when did you come to that realization? Oh man. It was definitely when my, you know, it was probably just a little bit after. I, th- I think I probably did. But the moment that I think of when you bring that up is my daughter was born in May, early May. And so my wife basically, because I was laid off, my wife went back to work, had a little bit of, you know, maternity leave, went back to work to pay the bills. Right. Um, Thank be- you, baby. Because I was between jobs. I didn't yeah. get any unemployment. So it was just kind of nothing. Right. Uh, so she goes back anyway, and it it got pretty dark. You know, when you have when people that have had a kid, it's like those first few months suck so bad. I mean, you just, you <laughs> no just sleep. don't sleep is yeah. the thing. I mean, yeah. that's really it. You know, yeah. so so I was basically daddy daycare, but my solution was like I found Rick Steves Europe on um what you, Prime. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I started. I, I was just yeah. hooked because my daughter's a, a newborn and. Yeah. I'm at home alone every single day. And that was my way out was literally (laughs) just looking at Europe, you know, because I was living Mm. in the Puget sandwich outside of Seattle. It's literal rainforest, very dark, you know, it's very kind of dreary. Um, even in the summer, you know, it's just dark. And so it was, I knew then I was like, I saw where they're going. I'm jobless for God knows how long I have a new kid, all this stuff. And it was just like this,
0: it hits you, man. Yeah.
1: The, yeah. Like the fact that I'm just watching shows about Europe over and over again, literally saw them all like six times. Like I was, and like, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. There's yeah. like nine or 10 seasons or something that are free. And it was like, I just knew like part of the reason I appreciated it. Cause I've always loved going to Europe and I just had a feeling that that era might be over. And I don't know that it is, you know, but I just had a weird feeling that like this, this is the, you know, this is weird. This is getting real weird and and I'm going to miss it if I can't go over there. And that was the first time I had a sense that like they might, this might be
0: for keeps, you know? Yeah. I want to kind of dovetail on that and talk about, I, I, you know, I try to go to Europe and, uh, you know, my wife, we have friends in Switzerland. Yeah. And so we wanted to go to Switzerland and, you know, this was, you know, there's like a map on travel weekly where you can see what the restrictions are in terms of, you know, you know, do you have to have a PCR test or, you know, vaccination, what is the vaccination status entail? cause it's complicated. Yeah. And this is during the holiday season and she wanted a white Christmas. I'm like, babe, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> like, I love yeah. that idea, you know, like we, oh, yeah. you know, but I don't, risky. Th- I do think it's risky. And so we played it by ear and, and, and the restrictions were changing by the day. And and we we thought, okay, I think I can get in because they're requiring vaccination, but they have like an exemption form. You can go file online for the Swiss government and saying that you're visiting a friend or family case-by-case case basis, or so it appeared. And so, you know, I didn't book any lodging or anything other than just a flight because I wanted to see how it would play out. I'd see my buddy in Zurich, you know, we'll see how it goes, play it by ear, willy-nilly. And I get to the airport and they actually... Dude is, I've never had this happen before in my life, but it was just the guy, you know, there's like this Swiss guy works for Swiss air. And, uh, this is before you get to like the, where you check your baggage, you know, it's like right there as yeah. you enter the, you know, that area. And he's like, uh, do you have your passport? So you show him the passport and it's like an interrogation. And he says, what's your vaccination status? He said, are you vaccinated? And I was like, uh, I'm not fully vaccinated. He said, are you vaccinated at all? <laughs> wow. And this is like in a Swiss German accent. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm like, you know, no, I'm not. But I have an exemption form. Here it is. And it's a QR code linked to the exemption form. It's like, you cannot go to Switzerland. You cannot get on this plane. So my wife, who's Lebanese, not an American citizen. This is ha- is this here? This is in Miami. Oh, this, is wow. like, this is like December of like, you know, a couple yeah. months ago. And my wife had gotten a Shenzhen visa that she had applied for as a resident of Lebanon. Yeah. And so she actually got that visa and was able, and they said, you know, she was able to enter without being vaccinated. And she, so, and so anyway, she shows the guy and he's like, you can go, he said, you know, you have the Shenzhen visa. He cannot go. He's an American citizen. Even she though we is. had the same vaccination status. Yeah. So she is a resident of Lebanon with a, who had applied for the visa had, the ability to go. And I did not because I was an American citizen. It was like, you feel discriminated against. Yeah. And it was, it sucked. And I remember leaving the airport, like we're literally walking in and they say, Oh, we'll give you a refund. We'll give you a credit, whatever. Of course we haven't heard, you know, we're still trying to fight through that customer service and how shitty it is. And COVID's a whole nother oh, conversation because yeah. yeah. it's an excuse to have shitty customer service everywhere now. Oh yeah. Nobody answers phones anymore. Nobody returns calls. I mean, but anyway, I did long story short of it. It was just, you know, we get home and a couple of days pass and our, you know, and I'm I'm kind of down about it. And I'm thinking, am I going to, are we going to be able to travel again? Am I going to have to go through hoops to get a vaccine passport? Um, or am I going to yeah. just not be able to go? Or am I going to have, you know, it just really, all these questions go through your brain. Well, and when you're and, a person that
1: it's like, that's part of what you do, you know, I've yeah. been to Europe, God, I don't even know how many times, but you know, yeah. not maybe five. Right. But yeah. that's, enough. Yeah. You know, I studied abroad in Costa Rica in undergrad and and things like that. It's, it's a pretty big blow, you know, but I think that's one of those things where people are, you know, you're going to have to decide what you're going to do, you know, and it's, it's going to be tough. The good part is it kind of looks like that's faltering a little. A couple
0: months later, it looks a hell of a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: And it's always hard to know whether they're, they're playing this sort of like, you know, one step forward, two steps back to keep you sort of on your toes or, um, you know, whether it's just sort of part of the game to where they can install a little bit Mm -hmm. and then creep forward and then do it again, where the stuff, the, the architecture is already there.
0: Right. Um, and that's, I think it's a good point though, because, you know, there's a general strategy that they have, but the tactics within it can change. Right. So they kind of have an idea on where they want to go. But it's not going to be like perfect and they'll make adjustments on the fly and change as they have to change, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. I, I've, I'm I, sort of at the point where for a while now I've been one, you know, that's vocally been saying, you know, it's time to start thinking of what we can do. Yes. And it's so many people yeah. just don't – they're just not there yet. They're just either – either going along with it, just hoping that it's truly linked to COVID and it's pretty obviously not. Right. Or they're just still bitching about it and just going about their day, maybe because it doesn't affect them. Right. You know, but I'm one where the whole, for quite a while now I've been trying to figure the whole thing out of like, how do you actually fight back? Right. In a way that's not violent and isn't going to draw out the nukes and the F 15s and all that shit, you know? And, I don't know that I have a, a, you know, a great answer, but one of your previous guests had sort of brought up something Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, made me think of an interaction I had recently. I have a really good friend. My oldest friend Mm -hmm. is a literal communist. So, you know, you can imagine (laughs) how our ideologies don't quite mesh. I think
0: I have one of those friends too. He, this is a guy that told me Barack Obama's a Republican. Yeah. You know, one of these guys, I mean, he
1: draws hammer and sickle on stuff. He's a, he's a (laughs) card carrying communist and that's, that's fine. So he came and visited me not very long ago, a month or two ago, you know, once I got here. Um, and the interesting thing about him is that he was a lawyer, but, his whole life before and then after he, he didn't practice law for very long. He didn't like it, but he's been an organizer community organizer, which when oh. you think of Barack Obama, that's yeah. what they do. Right. One of those guys. But one thing he said to me, he, he said, well, you know, these people you're, you think are doing this thing. Like, when are they going to do it? I was like, dude, they're doing it right now. COVID is it. Like, don't you, I'm like, don't you see it? Like anyway, He basically said, you know, there are always people trying to do things, powerful people trying to do things. And his whole career has been fighting those people Mm -hmm. because ultimately I I think, I think the thing about like kind of that crowd versus us is we're fighting the same people. That's,
0: that's true. Yeah. You know,
1: they just switch sort of parties, right? right? So you have all these big, you know, big business warmonger people on the Bush thing. Mm -hmm. And then just because it's Barack Obama with a, you know, on a, with a, you know, big Democrat DNC on his chest,
0: Mm -hmm. it's the same people. It's the same thing. It's the same thing.
1: And so my friend is sitting there fighting Duke energy or whatever in North Carolina from dumping ash into the river. He's Mm -hmm. fighting Mount Olive Pickle Company in college because they weren't paying their migrant farm workers enough. And ultimately it's the same people. Right. But he's been successful. And that was sort of his message to me the last time we hung out is like, look, you know, this is what I do for a living. Right. And now he's sort of very in, in the, the scene of, of his community po- politically at like state senate meetings and mm-hmm. stuff. And nobody knows his political sort of ideology. And he's working with everybody because he wants to achieve, you know, one, whatever per- his goal is at the time. But the message is that you can enact change, Mm -hmm. you know, if you work hard enough, align the right people, you know, with the right message, you can do it. Mm -hmm. I tend to think a little more radically, but he's the guy that gets results.
0: Well, it depends too, like what's your skill set. Like, you know, some people have a certain like patience or inclination. Like for me, I would never want to be on a school board. Right. I don't want to go run for city council. I don't think I'd ever Want to run to be a congressman? I just had no interest in that process, and so some people are more inclined, and they may be thinking about like, gosh, I should, I should enter politics. Well, damn it, go do it. Stop talking about it. Go do it. It's you know these guys that you know want to go fight, and they're, you know like, oh, I'd be good at this. Well, like, well, hey, we can go roll. We can go do jiu-jitsu Let's go to the gym. Stop talking about it. You know, yeah. everybody's inclined to 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 do a certain thing, and this is the time to go explore it. And you know, I think. You know, we, we talk about new media, you know, it, it is a good time. You know, I, I, look at, you know, part of it for me is I look at these people doing podcasts and doing shows and a lot of it is it's milk toast, it's boring, it's not interesting. They talk about the same shit over and over again. I would be bored to tears if I were these folks and they, you know, they do the same thing. It's just reconstituted over and over again. Again, a lot of people like that. But I think for people that do have a different voice, that do have a different background this is a really good time to do it. This is, this is it. I uh, Go ahead.
1: Oh, yeah. no. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah it's, and maybe that's our role. And what right. I was just saying is like, well, I'm not going to be the guy that puts on a suit and goes to right. you know, wherever, the state capitol and fights anything. But the people that are
0: doing that maybe f- listen to us or read or whatever. He's going to read your book. Yeah. He's going he's to you know, observe your tweets. He's going to watch this podcast, right. and he's going to get something from that. And then he's going to want to reach out and be on the show or want to have a conversation. And that's how I'm more inclined to contribute to the cause. Um, you know, than uh, maybe necessarily getting directly involved. And of course that can change, you know, and, you know, we had Josiah Lippincott the other day who's done some really great work, uh, you know, going on Laura Ingram's show and Alex Kishouda's podcast. And he's a guy that's just out there speaking his truth. And I said, Hey, you know, would you be interested in, you know, running for politics? He said, no, I'm kind of more interested now in, you know talking to Blake Masters you know running yeah. for senate in Arizona and and you know maybe bending the, the ear of JD Vance you know running up in Ohio and develop those kind of relationships and then over time maybe he's that guy so it's it'll be interesting to see you know how it evolves
1: yeah, yeah. and you're going to need you need all those uh sort of perspectives to 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 figure stuff like this out too i mean one of the things I've thought kind of the whole time along these lines is it would be really fascinating. If you got a lot of really different people together, put a, get a table and put bill Belichick at the table, put Peter Thiel at the table, but yeah. I haven't heard that one before. Put, That's, yeah. Put uh, a writer, you know, uh, like who I like to follow, Walter Kern, put him at the table Yeah, and see what kind of solutions they come up with. Because a guy like bill Belichick is going to look at this problem and look at it in a totally different way. And he's going to look at it in a, in an X's and O's way where he's going to say, (laughs) well, they're using this approach. Maybe they're, they're doing the travel things back and forth like he would do with a defender, you know, to confuse the quarterback. Right. And he would say, well, maybe if, if I solve this problem this way on a football field, here's how we can solve it in real life. Yeah. Where then you make some sort of move where, again, this is just, I'm just spitballing here. Like, um, but you could say, okay, well, we're going to organize, and all of us that believe this, we're not going to travel. We're not going to travel when you say we can mm-hmm. or something like that, where you go literally nobody travels. Right. Because then the people that own the airlines or whatever, they, they get confused or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just right. like that would be a way where somebody's thinking really outside the box and going, how can you hit them where they live yeah. and maybe make them confuse them? to where their plans don't really work
0: either. Yeah, let's talk about that. One of the the big issues on the right, and it's kind of like, I've always considered myself like just an open-minded person and probably in the past more libertarian, you know, like maybe 15 years ago. And now I realize how ridiculous that probably is. But, you know, I think about how on, let's just say, you know, we're more to the like, you know, center right, right. And there's a real issue with people coming together. There's a lot of fragmentation and people atomize. And like you see on Twitter, these... Um, you know, Spurgy debates where people get into like the weeds and like they're oh, splitting hairs over this shit. And it's like, they'll, they'll
1: it, correct you if you say it's communism and not fascism. Yeah. Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah. And so they, and riot. they're, and some of them are relentless and yeah. the bigger your account is, the more of a problem they can be. You just have to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to ignore it and block the bad trolls. I mean, you a good troll, it's like, Haha, that's funny. Yeah. But you know, I think one of the issues for us is how do we really come together Yeah, because that's, um, you know, so there's something I've I've cited a couple of times. If you look at if somebody is a Democrat and they understand, they are aware that a certain type of business is owned by somebody on the right, like Republican, conservative, whatever. Forty one percent will boycott that business if they're aware of it. Yeah. So they're like almost half are going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to vote. We're going to speak with our feet, vote with our dollars. We're not supporting this. On the right, it's something like 7% would boycott a left-owned business. So who's really tolerant of who, but who is also more impactful, right? And that's
1: sort of like the fundamental part of the two ideologies that's so different, right? Okay, like I guess a true – I've never read – any Karl Marx or any of that shit. So yeah. I don't, I guess I don't know. i maybe I'm talking yeah. about something. I don't know. about. It's a waste of time. In yeah. My view, well, it's just,
0: anyway. not interested. You know,
1: communism in itself is, it seems to me like it's, they want control of the means of production, but people are always going to be the means of production. I mean, ultimately, I mean, maybe you're going to get into some weird AI world where we don't have anything and they're, <laughs> right. then they're just going to eradicate us because we're meaningless to them. Right. But for now, we are the means of production. So if you say that this ideology wants to control the means of production, you're saying you want to control people and you want to control all the material goods in general. I mean, that's the most materialistic sort of ideology you can think of because everything right. is based on controlling things, right. controlling everything. Right. But built in within that is the notion that they're going to do it together, right? You know, for the greater good kind of a thing. And that is obviously completely opposite of, I guess, the, you know, the right or the conservative side, which is sort of more liberty minded, rugged individualism. So I think that's inherent in why it's so hard to galvanize the right or whatever is because that's part of the fundamental thing is that you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. I don't care. But within that, it's really hard to get people together when you're allowing other people to do whatever they want and you just want to be left alone. Now, that was where we were in the West, you know, with sort of the Enlightenment ideals still carrying out, was that Mm -hmm. we were still operating under the assumption that those were the rules. Right. And one of my friends, who again wasn't even really that political until COVID, just he told me, he's like, you know what? They changed the rules, and I don't like changing the rules in the middle of the game. And that's sort of to me where we're at. It's just like you're saying, Mm -hmm. how the fuck do you get everybody organized and galvanized under one cause when the whole point was to be individual and we never really had to worry about it. And that's why this thing was a surprise attack. You know what I mean? Like Trudeau and these people have been there a long time Mm -hmm. and then they boom. And that was one of the big tells too. I mean, not to get off on that tangent, but the fact that that's the way it happened and that's, we're still sort of reeling from that element of surprise that they used. And I think that, the trucker convoy and, and, you know, all these other things are going to help, you know, galvanize at least some collective, you know, recognition of what we're facing, Mm -hmm. making it, you know, reality that these, you know, it, this isn't just the tinfoil hat conspiracy people anymore. Like this is real, right? Like this group is going to stop at nothing. Right. You know, and that's where you almost hope they overstepped the bounds a little bit so that it's right in everybody's face. Like, yeah, so now we've got to do something.
0: And that's kind of where we come back to is what do we do? Because right. th- there have been a hell of a lot of people that have woken up and people that have been radicalized, you know, and, and gone from one side to the other over, over the last couple of years. But there's still a lot of people that are like, what the hell do we do? I mean, is it something where you want to, you know, force their hand and have some kind of a confrontation sooner than later? or are we just yeah. going to have to like be engaged in this long drawn out. long drawn out thing which i think is probably more probable and one thing is you know you and i are both guys that are you know we've been around a little while like we've been in this conspiracy like we've been aware of things let's yeah. just say for the last 20 plus years and so we kind of we realize how long things can go and you look at some of the younger guys are like they're ready to get it on dude Oh yeah, they're ready to like let's go, let's go do it. We're gonna end this now, and it's like, well, these like, things they don't go the way you think. <laughs> no, I
1: mean, it's like you're either gonna wind up like the Taliban, some you know what I mean, you know, just in the general sense of like, what are you gonna go like fight these guys from caves and shit like that? You know, are you are you gonna take sort of, you know, I don't know, I'm not a huge history buff, so it's like, a, I, I think. East Germany or something's obviously our most recent example. I mean, it, this, this shit just ended. Right. I mean, you and I were kids. I watched that on you rem- TV.
0: I remember that. Dude. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's not, it's not, yeah. it's
1: not that far away, yeah. Yeah. you know? And, and a lot of the people are probably involved now, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I think I'm preparing sort of more for just this, like you're saying the long kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to rethink my life and sort of figure out how I'm going to make money. And, what if the dollar went away? Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to get people to pay you if you don't have the Fed coin or whatever it's going to be? It's, right. you know, that's sort of the way I look at it. I don't know if there's any way to force it other than violent confrontation, like, you know, or yeah. or more of like a peaceful trucker convoy, you know, yeah. well, cross see, our I, fingers.
0: I think we're kind of overdue for a bloodletting. And I'm not saying exactly how that needs to happen, what it looks like, but I do think that. You know there are these 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 conflicts amongst people that just get worse and worse and worse and we've actually had a long period in the western oh, yeah. world of of relative stability and not having you know you know people die in violent conflict but i think the reaches that you know we're getting closer to like a breaking point where there's you know potentially going to be a clash of civilizations within europe and even potentially here And we're a lot more spread out and we have you know states and it could be but there is something over, and I think it's probably more over the next, you know, 20 years, like over the next generation, maybe more than it is something that's going to be this like, you know, huge thing that's coming in the next election. You yeah, know? right, right. So it's going to take a little more. T- Listen, I want to take a take a little bit of a break. We're going to come back, and I want to talk a little bit about. Um, different types of leaders historically and then the era that we're going into because I really want to hear your thoughts on this about interesting the leaders of tomorrow and what that looks <laughs> like is I think it's going to be a different kind of person so uh, we will be back in a few minutes with Cody Eliza this is the base brotherhood All right, the base brotherhood is back with Cody Elijah hello all right so we were um, <laughs> talking a little bit about um, or I wanted to talk about the different types of leaders that you know there, there have been historically and I'll just kind of give you my frame of reference but I really like to hear your thoughts on this you know like you know let, let's go back into the um, you know post-civil war period like the early 1900s you have the industrialists you have you know Henry Ford and the assembly line mass production of the automobile you have, you know, Carnegie and Steele, you know, the Vanderbilts sure. and Robber Barons. The Robber Barons and uh, Rockefellers and you have that kind of person sort of define the age, define that era. You know, then we go through, you know, the Great Depression and we end up with you know, FDR is, you know, the great politician and we enter World War II and we have it's about, you know, politicians and generals really define that era, I guess, kind of, you know, going through the forties into the early fifties and the Korean War and MacArthur is subordinate yeah. to Truman, then he gets fired. But you kind of go through that period. Those were the great men of the times, and then I think we go through, um, you know, the JFK era, and you had, you know, like astronauts and space travel, and Chuck Yeager, and these, you know, these pioneers of flight um, that were, you know, breaking the sound barrier, you know, flying on the edge of space, whatever, you know, going to the moon. Um, those were really the great men at the time, right. You know, Neil Armstrong's yeah. and JFK and wanting to go to the moon. And then you kind of have like the cultural evolution that goes on for a while towards the end of the sixties and like artists and musicians are the people that, you know, really define that era. And I think, you know, more recently it's been, uh, it's really been like entrepreneurs you think about, yeah. you know, like it started off with like hardware. Yeah. You know, with, with like, you know, the guys at HP and you know, yeah. Steve jobs and the personal computer Kids, jobs. Yeah. Then you go into, into software, us. you know, so yeah. there's this kind of progression of, I think that men that kind of define the era. And yeah. I think we're kind of, you know, the social media people, you know, probably over the last 10 or 15 years are who we, you know, idealize or who society really looks to. But I think we might be going into a different period where. You know, there's going to be more decentralization, more fragmentation, and you know, you look at um, you know what's going on with Facebook right now, you know, with rebranding to Metaverse, yeah. and then their stock crashing because they're losing users. Yeah. So people are dialing, like they're tuning out of Facebook, uh, particularly young people who want nothing to do with it, right? And so you know that rebranding effort is not so much to remake and build the company to save the company i mean they're going to be dead in five or ten years if they can't find a way to you know you know move on to the next thing so i kind of have this theory that we're going to have a different kind of person a different kind of leader emerge over the next couple of decades and that type of person will define the era does that make any sense what do you think about that theory are we headed into a new age with a different kind of leader It's interesting. Yeah. I'd like to think so. And I I think Trump might be, um, you know, that type of person that, you know, kind of steps out, you know, he's a businessman, entrepreneur, salesman type, and he steps into politics and it's, he's able to achieve something that never would have, would have been inconceivable otherwise. But I think you might see these people that are coming from another field. And they get involved politically or, you know, I think about yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I think we might see an entirely different kind of person, um, you know, servant leadership, it's, you know, it's people, a, I mean, I think about, what you, I, I'm thinking about you. I think about a guy that's a medical professional that's got these varied interests and he just says, enough is enough. I'm tired of the bullshit. And he puts something out there. Then all of a sudden it catches on. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, wait a second. I can communicate this way. And yeah. then you, that's building into something. And now there's these new avenues opening up to you. I think that's a new thing we haven't really seen before.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. And it's the person that keeps popping into my head is somebody, obviously like Elon Musk, who's sort of bridged a couple of the, that he, he was the dot com era where right. he PayPal, uh, PayPal mafia. Yeah. Right. And now he's into Tesla and then and SpaceX and so forth, but he's also will go on Rogan, right? Mm-hmm. And then his ideas he, he can blast someone mm-hmm. and have it mean something. You know, and mm-hmm. and that's this is totally ignoring, you know, who's he really working for with Neuralink mm-hmm. and Starlink and all those things. But not a fan, but Right. You know, but I see where you're kinda of going. It's it's interesting because
0: Look at Jake and Logan Paul. Two kids yeah. that, that that get that started on Vine doing these like viral videos. Yeah. And then they go on YouTube and now we're doing boxing and now Jake Paul might want to, he might rival Dana White and he's talking about fighters getting paid more. Yeah. And so like, you know, is the boxing career a way to, you know, get in with like the fighters and develop some rapport and trust. Yeah, so we're it's, seeing, it's a very interesting type of person we're seeing now start to, you know, Logan Paul launches a beverage brand now. With, with the guy um, what's his name I can't think of it right now the guy in England that does like a the gamer dude so it's it's uh it'll come to me but well, it's so- almost like social media
1: celebrities are usurping you know like pop culture you know from from our era it was like you go you went from the actual artist on MTV mm-hmm. to now it's the, the real world guy is the, is the guy that's right got the influence and the connections and the power or whatever that's seems seems to me sort of like what you're sort of alluding to but it's if you go back to it it, your your comment made me first think of well who do i think is going to actually be like the figurehead for the gears of power yeah it almost seems like the this sort of like this feudalism and like you know um, rule by decree is like the thing, right? So you've got, it's like, oh, uh, you know, DeSantis is great, whatever, but he's like, oh, I'm just going to write an executive order and then we're not going to mask anymore. And then, the you know, Inslee and Washington will be like, yeah, well, now all the kids in school have to get vaccinated. And you're like, I think on both sides, like what, what happened to like the state legislatures? Like they just yeah. are gone. And that was sort of a thing from the Patriot Act and, and all that, you know, where... The executive branch just came up. Right. So there's, I, I guess I'm a little like, I guess I question, like, which one are you referring to? Because.
0: Well, I'm trying to figure it out myself because yeah, I don't like, think it's determined. And so it, I, I think, you know, I'm thinking of kind of like these people that are like cultural, societal influencers that kind of weave their way through and do all of these different things. And they have yeah. people that are like invested in whatever they do, whether it's yeah. launching a beverage product or a boxing match or. Like content or whatever it is. The same thing with Elon, like whether, whatever his venture is, or if it's like, you know, you know, shit posting on Twitter, you know, trolling Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden or whomever it is, or like the Fed. I mean, it's, it's, it it doesn't matter. Like anybody's a target for him, but you have these people that are going way beyond like way outside their, um, domain of expertise and they're winning. That seems very, very different. You know, I don't know if we've ever had that happen before. And it, I, yeah, and it's yeah.
1: it, and it seems like you're saying it's like happening on like, like these whims of like yeah. the most strange, sort of cultural, uh, like niches or whatever. You know what right. I mean? Like you're saying. Like well, how, think about that. think about they... like
0: celebrities in like the liquor industry. So, You know, I'm in the liquor industry. Yeah. And you know, you used to have people like Tito Beverage that was just like a. Regular guy in Austin, Texas, buying some pot stills and wanted to make vodka and, you know, grinding it out. And he's become like one of the most legendary figures in liquor. But he was able to kind of come out of nowhere. But now what you see is everything is celebrity backed. Like everybody's doing a tequila. The Rock has yeah. tequila. George Clooney sold his for, you know, a yeah, billion yeah, yeah. dollars and got a third of it, you know. And so you're seeing this kind of crossover thing to where celebrity is is so important but it can come out of nowhere it can come out of unexpected places and then people can ride that and you never you know know, it it takes a really interesting form an amorphous form um in in where it ends up going so it's like oh yeah you know you don't don't know where it's headed you know
1: no and it's it, it again it makes me think back to um you know i was just at that age where I was old enough to watch like the first real world on mm-hmm. MTV. And, and that to me was that cultural shift.
0: Was that San Francisco? New York. It was New York. Okay. Yeah. San Francisco man. was the second one.
1: Uh, I think that was three. Okay. LA was two. Okay. Okay. So I was old enough to watch it live, you know, and it was like the, one of the main stars was Eric nice who went on to be on MTV, but his dad was like an NBA ref. And so, I mean, all that stuff is just, is just, you know, BS, but We like we knew, or at least I did, I I knew something had changed. As soon as I saw that show, I was like, this is, this is the shit. Right. And I hate reality TV. I don't watch reality TV, but I knew as a seventh grader that this, this was where it was at. (laughs) And that you have, you know, you're taking these, you're, you know, real, real people have their lives taped. And it's like, this is different. And it is, you know, something where, uh, you know as manufactured as, as the, the whole story or whatever might be, you've got somebody like Kim Kardashian, who was just a friend of Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. And people forget about that, mm-hmm. that she was like, just sort of hanging out with Paris Hilton had the sex tape and things like that. And is now you a know, billionaire or whatever, you know, whatever, but right. very, very, you know, sort of strange. Um, and it's, it shows like the power of kind of media and manipulation and, and just presence, right? What, what a power just having presence, you know, is to where you you're famous for being famous and all that. But, but I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's like the era of something.
0: Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's hard to define it, but it's, maybe
1: you can't when you're in it. No, You, you know, I don't know because we're, we're sort of at that age where we're at the dawn of one or, yeah. Well,
0: there, there's been, so, I, you know, everybody's online. Most people, most people are terrible at it, you know, in terms of like, they're putting themselves out there. They want to be an influencer and everybody that it's, it's like, if you want your kid to be an influencer, make them go get a four year degree. And then like, they'll want to go be an influencer, you know? Yeah. But um, I think about how you just have to, like, for me, I have to be out there. I have to be, because I don't want to be a W2 guy and go back to normie world. Like I've done that, and I just see where things are headed. And the only chance I have at freedom on a personal level is to, you know, be ten ninety nine, go do my own thing, eat what I kill. And I don't really see there's, a, and, and I've got to sculpt my life around that reality. And you know, I want to encourage as many people as pot. I mean, you're doing it, you know, and I want to encourage as many people as possible to do it. But it can be difficult. And you know, I think that leads to into a question. You know for you which is you know this show is you know we want to provide great content all things base but also you know help young men along the way in in their lives and their careers and sharing some of our experiences that may help them a little bit um you know so if you're like a you know guy that's in your like say early to mid-20s and let's say you're just kind of making your way out in the world what you know pieces of advice or insights could you give him and how to navigate, you know, this new reality that we're living in.
1: Yeah. The biggest lessons I learned were learned a little too late. Um, and I think, yeah, me too. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's basic, you know, the, the two most important things that a lot of parents don't ever talk to their kids about, which is just like money and relationships. Mm -hmm. And you don't ever get into like the, like the hardcore kind of, reality of either one of those situations i mean i think the biggest things i would do if i was that age is i wouldn't like take out student loans or anything like that and get into any debt like of any kind for education i mean maybe buy a house but um even that i probably wouldn't even do that i would start very young i think what i'll sort of press my own daughter to do is pursue your passions as a kid like really hard and try and monetize that, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. sports or art or whatever. You can get good and make money at anything. And we were talking, you know, a few minutes ago about living in LA and like doing extra work in Hollywood. Or if you actually wanted to pursue a career in that, you can do it. I, I know you could do it. Yeah. It's who is going to be the guy who takes it seriously, trains shows up on time mm-hmm. and can actually do it and do it for five to 10 years. And I bet you, you'll be a character actor earning a paycheck on something.
0: This is what kills people is it, people move to LA and they think it's all about a certain type of training. Like go into a certain playhouse, getting a certain acting coach and they spend a lot of time in that. And what you just nailed is it's so true is you have to audition. You have yeah. to get auditions like that should be your focus: get your headshots but get out there and audition, get in front of people. Even
1: I just did, I was practicing medicine there and I was just, I just uh, joined uh, what's central casting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And a few of those other ones just for something to do. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I got to go to the playboy mansion one time and and a few other fun things. You know, you get paid minimum wage eating lunch, but it was interesting. So I did it while I was there, but that's where I realized like you could do it because even with a a normal headshot and like when you go to those places, they just sort of take like a torso shot of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get calls all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really, it was just appearance. I was, you know, 10 years younger then and whatever else. But it was, I, I realized like, holy shit, like if you wanted to do this, you could do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why people would poo-poo like going to Hollywood to be an actor if you're serious. And that's mm-hmm. the difference, yeah. I, you know, like you're saying is like, I would tell young people is pursue it, but you have to be like real, you know, like if, mm-hmm. you know, being a Brazilian Jitsu guy, it's like, okay, if my daughter was really into it, be like, okay, well, you've got to really do it. I mean, you've got to train twice a day. Mm-hmm. You've got to compete basically every single weekend. You've got to take on anybody that challenges you, you know, you know, that, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like that's how you do it. Yeah, I've been around professionals and that's what they do. Yeah. And not only that, you know, Pursuing kind of what you want to do, stay out of debt, mm-hmm. you know, and try and parlay that whatever those passions are, monetization of it into owning everything in cash, and then again, like we've sort of discussed, it's like have different skill sets and things you can monetize outside of any sort of societal kind of architecture. Whether that's like you're a, you know, a carpenter or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of, you know. Again, I'm not like, like a true Christian or whatever, but that's sort of the Jesus was a carpenter thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't going to deal in money or anything like that. He he used his hands, and so I think that's sort of where that probably comes from. Is like something real,
0: it's yeah. something
1: that somebody's going to need, and yeah. and that's what I think I would probably tell young people to do. Is like diverse, follow your passions, have a decent thing you're interested in as a backup, and then stay out of like the money. The money trap because that's what I got caught up in, you know, the yeah. student loan trap.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that happens to a lot of people. And it, and you think about, you know, getting student loans. Let's say one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars. It's so hard to access that line of credit. Let's say you want to start a business, like if you have an idea. Oh, yeah. Like how hard is it to get a couple hundred grand to start something? It's ridiculous. But, You'd need but, collateral of some kind, right? Or at least a huge chunk of it, right? Yeah. Or some kind of revenue, some some kind of pathway. You think about how crazy it is for kids, like 18 year old kids to access that kind of money. And most of them don't have a damn clue of what they really want to do. Right. And well, and
1: the collateral is your future, you know, your, 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 your time on earth. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I mean, that's, what's kind of funny about this whole, like the political thing is when I got out, not to get on a tangent, but it was like the year I got out, Obama and Biden, like made it illegal to consolidate your student loans. And then they did like the, um, the Obamacare thing a few years later with the penalty. It's just been one thing after yeah. another. And when you look back, it's just kind of funny that they've been sort of waging this slow
0: you know, battle against young people. By the way, a lot of people that you hit on something about um, Obamacare. So I remember, um, you know, 2012, mid-2012, I left my full-time job. I had a de- good, decent job working at a major company. And I jumped off that cliff and I had some money saved up, you know, but I had health insurance paid for, you know, pulled out of my paycheck and the yeah. company would help a little bit. And then all of a sudden I'm paying for everything. And I remember the Obamacare, like realizing that like the, the premium skyrocketed. Oh yeah. They tripled. They, yeah. They doubled, tripled, plus, you know, and the coverage was different. I mean, are you going to get the same kind of coverage and just thinking, wait a second, this is disincentivizing for entrepreneurship in this country. Like young people that want to go, like, and they they put a penalty on it. Oh yeah, people forget. And Trump, thankfully, you know, you know, put an end to a lot of that. Now I still think big premiums haven't gone away. No, I mean that never changed, changed. right? But um, you know, he tried, and you know, the penalty and all that. But but just think it. I mean, that's evil. It's evil to put a penalty on a young person. Oh yeah, is it not?
1: Yeah, and I I mean, I was I was in that weird space that it was like a, you know, a Venn diagram or whatever of all of it being put together. Cause it was the loans thing kind of hit me. You know, I knew what I was getting into. It wasn't about that, but it was about not being able to consolidate them. So they're spread out, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of, bunch of minimum payments. And then I, the, the healthcare in, in that, when it rolled out, it was cheaper for me to buy a plan than it was to take my company's plan. So that's what I did is I just Mm -hmm. bought private blue cross insurance. It was like 150 bucks a month. Oh, I remember those days. I was was 32, Yeah, yeah. you know? And so I did that because I'd get way more in my paycheck, but then when they, when they started to tinker with the market of it and it went up to, I think $400 a month, Mm -hmm. so it nearly tripled Yeah, and I had to pay, so then I didn't get it and I had to pay the penalty and I also have to go to work and see all the people that now get it for free.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it was just yeah. this
1: weird vortex of like,
0: Talk about a baseball bat to the teeth.
1: Yeah. Right? like. Yeah. And it wasn't even like, oh, woe is me. You know, it was just, it showed like how how real the gears of political power can be wielded against normal day-to-day people. Right. Because a lot of people weren't sort of feeling like the the weight of all of them at the same time you yeah. know where i just happened to be in the situation to to do that yeah and and yeah trump trump immediately right or i think i think i was able to consolidate before he got in i don't think he had anything to do with that but once that happened i could consolidate in like 2015 mm-hmm. he ended the 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 penalty yeah it was just like those things make a real difference because mm-hmm. all of a sudden my student loan started to go away really fast, mm-hmm. and you realize like, whoa, they're 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 engaging in almost like a very mild form of terrorism.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I think about um, you know one of our prior guests, Mike Shelby, talks about yeah. you know gray zone warfare and low intensity conflict and how that's been going on, you know, for a while now, but people just aren't aware of it. But we are engaged, you know, in that type of deal and. I think about, you know, everything you're saying and having experienced some of that myself and having, there's a lot of people just weren't aware of it. Like, I'm like, you know how much health insurance costs? A lot of people don't Yeah. because a exactly. job, and I'm like, guys, you realize how bad this is? Well, who cares? Get a job. These are kind of like, these are the way people think, right? And yeah. you're like, well, I don't want to get a job. I want to go, you know, create a company and hire people and, you know, do the American dream thing.
1: Well, and it, you know, you know and the, the, it's, it's it's like they you can explain it away by well you know all we covered a lot of people or you covered pre-existing conditions and you're like well yeah you did and that's great but look i think people misunderstood in this specific example exactly what the motivations were and i it, yeah. i look at when i think about like the affordable care act now i think about covid
0: mm-hmm.
1: because i think about the way like the industry shifted and it's so subtle at the time that you can complain about it but they'll you'll be complaining about an issue that's not related to like the ramifications down the line, Mm -hmm. you know? So you look at, um, the way the healthcare industry's shifted, you know, to where almost all ER groups are corporate owned Mm -hmm. and practices got gobbled up after the affordable care act, the insurance, small insurers got blown to bits, Mm -hmm. but how does that relate to now? It relates to now because now they can roll out the mandates or the, the the practice guidelines and protocols in a way that wouldn't have been possible. So it's like, are they all connected? Eh, Probably. I mean, that's my personal opinion, but it's, it's, it's just really strange, you know, to that the powers that be seem to be so like overt about it. Mm -hmm. And what do the young people do now? You know, how do you face this, you know leviathan that's that's come up out of the water and is like they're not fucking around anymore you know yeah. they're they and they they're not lying about it anymore they're really right. not even trying to hide it
0: right yeah and so like you know there's a there's a something big is coming you know uh we'll we'll see <laughs> but no I, i'm with you on it they're, they're unabashed about it. they're out in the open they're in the clear and they're going to have to be challenged and I, that's why you know you see what's going on in canada with the truckers i mean look maybe it's is it going to amount to a hill of beans? I don't know, but it is good to see regular, ordinary people that actually keep the lights on, stock the shelves pushing back against this, and you're seeing that inspire more people across the world you know just that you're working class folks i want to, I want to talk to you about one last thing here you know as we bring the conversation to a close, and that is you know I was you know raised you know on, to always do the right thing, you know do the right thing like you know, pay your bills, pay taxes, you know, do, do the right thing when no one else is looking. And I I believe that's true. Like in terms of, you know, our personal lives and in our business interactions with people. But I look in terms of how we deal with the state. And I think that people need to think differently about it and understand that this is a contentious relationship. And that's just by virtue of what they're doing to us. And I'm not telling anybody to go do anything specific, but they need to think about that relationship. And if it's going to be contentious, they need to take, they need to make the right plans. They need to take the right measures.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause I've written about this person a lot. And I, um, when I got it, when I went to college, I met one of my friends when I studied abroad and his dad was big into the new world order stuff. I mean, yeah. way back then, you know, so he yeah. was in that nineties crew that, Basically knew exactly what we're facing now was going to come. And so he had been living like that his whole life. And so that's where some of those lessons you asked me about, I learned from him. He never had like a steady job. He, he did some sort of, I'll just say temp stuff to sort of protect his identity a little bit. Yeah. Um, never got a mortgage, bought raw land, built Questionably legal <laughs> homes on them. <laughs> he, yeah, he was that's so the, funny. The way the way I, I think about it, yeah, <laughs> is he was an outlaw. Yeah, he was. He lived outside of the law. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the approach I take. You know, not quite as you know aggressive as he was, but that's sort of the way I would characterize. You know, what you're saying, or even how to approach this thing right. is just one, it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Correct. And two, if you just sort of live like an outlaw and just don't just do you don't have to ask every question, right? If you don't know the the rule, but it works for you, maybe just do yeah. it. You it's know called discretion. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Disclosure, I mean, the
0: proper you, amount of disclosure. Yeah, you're not going
1: to yeah. go erect some, you know, Eiffel Tower replica on your lawn or whatever. <laughs> right. But if you want to put an outbuilding on your place, like, are you really going to get a permit for like, you mm. know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just one example of like, right? It's ju- it's just. There's a fine line you walk, though, between that and then just becoming like a third world country. Right. But that's where if the right people are doing it, like the guy I'm referring to, you know, the places he built were amazing. And they're never yeah. going to fall down. And I actually right. did the same thing in Nevada. <laughs> this, is a cool, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. When I got out of PA school, I did the same thing in Nevada. I bought 10 acres, looked up all the laws, and I followed the law in building this structure. Yeah. But I never got it permitted. Okay. And so the inspector showed up and was like, but it was all made out of concrete and all this shit. It was amazing. I ended up selling it, but, but he was like, I I mean, I can't make you tear it down. It was beautiful. (laughs) So it was like, that's, that's how you outlaw, you know, the right way is you, you do things for the right reason. You do it right. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Mm -hmm. And just make it so fucking Awesome that even if even if the state shows up, the human being there hopefully will just <laughs> not have the heart to to tear what tear your tear it all. Well they have
0: to appreciate your audacity, but also something that you created that very few people are capable of. And those things kind of go together, don't they?
1: Well yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you, you want to be an artist kind of in whatever you're doing. Yeah, right. that's that's how I approach life. It's like do everything as good as you can do everything. Like it's a piece of art. And, and you know, you want to, that's how you make timeless things.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Listen, I think that's a great place to close it. We really appreciate you coming down to Miami, joining us in the studio. And if you could tell our audience a little bit about what you're working on right now, where they can find you, that would be great.
1: Yeah. So, um, right now, basically, since I'm not, you know, fully officially employed or anything. I'm taking the opportunity. I'm doing my sub stack. I've got it linked mm-hmm. on my Twitter account. My Twitter account is Cody Elijah one. Um, and then I've got a sub stack on there. It's called intrusive thoughts. That's for all of my nonfiction stuff because Substack has licensing, you know, stuff where I don't want to get any characters I've created involved in that. So on the other side of like my writing, as far as fiction, I have a website, Cody, Elijah.com pretty primitive right now. Um, I've got over half of one of my novels up mm. on there, Cool. a few short stories, but I've got a huge library. It's just taking a really long time to like, you know, with, with writing to get stuff to the point where it's, you know, you can put it out in public. So that's mainly the website Substack, and then just Twitter for the, for the, the hot takes <laughs> and, uh, you know, the bullshit that we spew back and forth on there, but
0: yeah, there is Cody. Thanks again. We really do appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me Hope to have you on again in the future and base brotherhood. That's a wrap.